Welcome back after such a long time being away. I'm actually going to introduce everyone today. My name's Andy White, and with me today, Mr. Martin Theobald. Prince Ali, marvellous, he, Ali, I've no idea, mate. I went to go and see it this week at the theatre. I've still got no idea. And Mr. Terry Chapman Dharma. Yes. Straight being back. Like, you know when, you know, it's just rusty. You don't look, ever since you walked to the door, you've been buzzing. To be fair. Oh, you get like that, don't you? Kev's been good, done the weight lovely, <laughs> got a new nutritionist on board. Little bit of GW1516. Oh, mate, well, all the stuff we've been talking about. This is that, that sort of podcast where all the stuff we talked about two years ago. <laughs> We're rounding it up. No, no, but you're all seeing it now. Before I was just talking, you're all seeing it now. Look at those sunglasses. They are something. They else. are, aren't they? Bright yeah. yellow. Dressed are they off a looky looky man? No, no. These are. Are they real? These are Nike Brazens. Okay. I, I use these like when I play sevens or touch rugby because they, they don't fall off. And like sometimes when the sun's mental, it just messes with me. So yeah, these they're actually really, it's, it's more of practicality. That's why they're so fucked. Nice. And you're like a luminous Edgar David. You know if people look at him, they, they're blinded. So it works double like By well. skill and sunglasses. <laughs> Do you know, so it was weird. These were in TK Maxx for twelve ninety nine. Really? Retail 129 quid. Like, if I wanted to replace these now, it's 129 quid. Nice. Well, don't leave in my car like you normally do. Well, that's, okay. this is what people have tuned in for. They want to run They down want sunglasses, sunglasses yeah. TK Maxx Sunglasses shopping. chat. Nike, Nike brazers. Get a pair. Sponsored by. Well, whoever great speaking the, to everyone. Whoever the fuck I want to be sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> great podcast, you know lads. On, on See a, you next week. On a side <laughs> note, so I'm having dinner with a headhunter, lady that recruited me for the role I'm in. And she's like, who's Denzel Bentley? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, this is awkward. And I'm like, why? She's like, you know your boss has seen that interview. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I still have a job, so I'm glad he understands what happens after a few beers. Your boss never understood or never realised he had such a posh accent. Nah. Never. Or that I wasn't a fan of Guardian readers. Um, right, or hummus so you- and quinoa. Since we've been gone, lots has happened. Uh, we went on a stag do and had a wedding, and we didn't get no, married. We didn't get married, yeah, just to clarify. Oh, the, the, Nothing it, against no, it. Yeah, it wouldn't be wrong if they did. I know Andy's notorious for, you know, uh, well, you know <laughs> the transgressing. Last, the, last, the last three weeks, I've been in some, you know, deep counselling, and I'm finally coming to the other side, and I think it's brilliant. So, Martin, will you marry me? So, so has boxing, Not again, no. Has oh. Boxing Fanatic asked you what you've done in terms of gay outreach after your comments? Or, or is it just me he's after? No, just you. That's nice. Like him. Let's get him on the pod. <clears throat> Open invite, Boxing Fanatic. Anytime you want to come on, like, mate, more than welcome. There's lots of people we'd like to get on the pod, but, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons why we can't get them on. Sometimes we don't even know what reasons they are, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, we, we just look, mysterious text messages for listen, Terry yeah. on a Friday night. I, I, look, like Boxing Fanatic, I like his doggedness, I like his integrity. Just no weasels and rats, you know? Oh, dear. Right. Um, Terry, what have you been up to the last three weeks? Oh, man. Shit, I'm trying to think. Buying beds, so I still don't have any beds. I've been trying Breaking for about news. three weeks. <laughs> three weeks. Is it time when he tried to get a PlayStation and couldn't find one in London for like a month? I still don't have a PlayStation. <laughs> There's no beds in London now. They're the new PlayStations. No, no, they, they were jerking me around. I had to go to, so I had to go to Watford to the depot, and I just which know, shop? Call them out. Uh, it's Wayfair. Don't don't ever fuck with these guys. For the record, part of my language. I didn't really want to swear, but. They're really bad. So Don't fuck with Wayfair, mate. So, 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 customer service is so horrible. I ring a couple of mates. I'm like, look, we're driving up to Watford. We're just going to have a conversation. <laughs> I want to know where my beds are. <laughs> are Wayfair the ones that have got that Scottish woman on the advert? Mate, oh. no idea. So, so they outsource their delivery because, like, I was talking to an Irish lady, and the Irish lady's like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, look, you've been more than helpful, but I feel this is the point where I've got to go and deal with this myself. <laughs> I've got to become my own customer Christ. services agent. So we get into this thing and just steam straight in. All these guys are like, what, what are you, yeah, so what are you doing here? It's like, who's in charge? Who's in charge of the depot? Straight away. Like, excuse me, I'm the depot manager. What is your answer? I'm, I'm seething because I'm like, look, I need something that looks roughly bed size. What size of bed was it? It's a super king. So it's one of the biggest boxes you've got in here. Now, where the hell is it? Guys, all nervous and shit. It's like, listen, you can call the police. They're not going to get here in time to save you. What? <laughs> Why have you gone straight to this? What because were your steps before mate, this. So far, you've been on the phone, and then you've started basically like, insinuating violence towards a guy at a depot. I've rung. Listen, 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 I've rearranged delivery five times at this point. Right? I've rung every day for like a week and a half to make sure they're going to deliver. I'm getting the same response. I've had enough at this point. How many blokes have you got with you? There's three of us. <laughs> There's three of us, but I think... Are they built the same size as you? Average weight would have been about 18 and a half stone. <laughs> like Manny Tuilagi just rolled out the back of a Citroen <laughs> looking for a king size. <laughs> but, these, but these are guys who, this is their bread and butter, essentially. So What, we just go around threatening people for mattresses? No, not even threatening. We just want our property, right? Because what... This is, no, no, no. You, this is what set me off. The quote was... We know it's in the warehouse. We're just not going to look for it. And I was like, why? We don't have the manpower. I said, but you had the manpower to do everyone else's deliveries. So you take your own manpower. Yeah, I was like, that's exactly what I said. I said, I will come and take it. <laughs> and then the response was, do what you like. I said, cool. Did you get it? I didn't, well, he couldn't find it. Like, the guy's like, the guy's they shaking. They didn't warn you that. No, the guy's shaking. The place is an absolute tip. It's an absolute shamble. So don't use these guys because this is a joke. It's absolutely, it's embarrassing. So the guy's this there, he's, he's now got, God, this has got very real very quickly. Oh, this is, and I guess he's learned that this is what happens when you piss the wrong people off. But he couldn't find it. So then you're just like, I'll just go on the phone and say, look, can you just cancel the order, right? Just cancel the order. Give me my money back. I'll try and do it with somebody else. That was horrible as well. So then you're there, it's like, do you know what? Just sleep on the floor. No, what? <laughs> Burn no, no. The okay, down. so here's the contrast. Mattresses are there. Order them from Simba. Wow, who thought mattresses were that expensive? But order the mattresses of Simba. Hi, Terry. We will deliver them on Wednesday. 
and our driver will call you when he's 20 minutes away. And you know me, I'm like, please, please, after what I've been through, please just tell me you'll do this. Because if you don't, I know where your warehouse is. <laughs> so, no, so, so fantastic. Guy rings me eight in the morning. Hi, Terry. It's Linford. I thought it was Linford Christie. It wasn't. I'll, I'm <laughs> your delivering del- your mattress. Yeah. You never know. Hard times in that. So, so I'll be delivering your mattress. I should be there around 11.20. Cool. Rings me at 11 o'clock. I'm still on track for 11.20. Arrives at 11.19. He's living for Christie. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? World record. So, and they go, look, we're just going to put everything in. Tell us which rooms they go into. Did everything. Left. And I thought, why Shout can't... Shout out Simba. Yeah. Why can't everyone do this? I mean, and, and you know, it's not an easy job. It's a super king and a king you get in there. You're like, oh, cool. Fantastic. Nice. Why can't people just be like that? Sort of wave her garbage. Don't don't use them. The mattress, yeah. sunglasses, and music. Although, uh, musical although, chat podcast. Although for, uh, listen, and for the record, wave. If you want to sponsor the podcast, feel free to do so. <laughs> um, we went to Benidorm on a stag do, Martin. We did. Seems a long time ago. Yeah, but it was messy as, wasn't it? It was. But good fun. incidentally, if you're ever going to take a group of blokes away somewhere and you want to just get on the smash, which is practically what a stag do is, if you want to go on the smash, Intercontinental Hotel, Greenwich. If you want to go on the smash and watch live sex shows of a woman dressed as Princess Leia getting nailed by a stormtrooper while they're both riding hoverboards, go to Benidorm. <laughs> that is legit, by the way. And and the guy was like literally dressed head to toe in what looked like, to me, a legit Star Wars outfit, just with his cock hanging out. Just with his cock out, just banging this woman <laughs> yeah. in front of like a couple of hundred people. It's yeah. amazing. Legit. Absolutely Did anyone amazing. try and jump on stage? Because you know sometimes people get carried away. Yeah, I mate, no, because he was he was dressed as Princess Leia, and we we dressed him up as Princess Leia on the third night. And so basically, he couldn't wait to get involved. So he was on the hoverboard. He actually got involved at one point. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I mean, that's a lie, but no. Did you, <laughs> we, did, Andy, did you lead him on? <laughs> it didn't stop us from <laughs> dragged him on stage. We mocked up a video of it, didn't we? And he didn't like that. It, it, yeah, not a big fan. <laughs> not a big fan. Right. right. Okay, that is some some form of catch up. Um, amongst all that, have you been enjoying the boxing scene recently? No, I think British boxing is buzzing. Look at my Eddie Hearn eyes when I say it's it. Buzzing, buzzing. I think it's fair to say not been in a rush to get back. Like we enjoyed doing it, but not for the material that we've got to work with. Yeah, give us something to work with because at the moment there's not an awful lot, and so it's quite difficult to rock up. Well, I think much have to do this once a month at the moment. I, I think I think to summarise, right? Hearn Hearn's gone to America and diluted his product on both sides of of the line, like the Greatest Showman. Yeah, Aram's like now stepped Garden up his did. cards. Hamer's now stepped his cards. Everyone else has stepped their game up, and Hearn's there going. Why is my landscape so? Apart barren? from the one person who hasn't, is Frank Warren, and so we're still left bereft over here. Oh, Frank's just sitting it out. He's chilling. Yeah, but you've got this prime opportunity where, like, your biggest competitor is ballsing it up a little bit, where you could strike, and instead we're getting nothing from that side. I think either. we all know Frank's just thinking about Moscow right now, <laughs> and and crowning quite possibly the greatest boxer, greatest humanitarian yeah. of the last 500 years. Dream it, believe it, achieve it, yeah? I mean, because he's got that Adidas deal, so... Highest paid Adidas athlete is that true? in history. That is yeah. a fact. 100%. That's a fact. 100% true. Don't try and make me laugh. 100% true, T. <laughs> it's not going to happen. The fact is, look, 
Frank knows in Anthony Yard, he doesn't even, don't even put shows on. Just let Anthony Yard do <laughs> IFL interviews. And if you can get enough revenue from that, you're profitable. And just occasionally do pads as well, because people love those. Um, you, I've really enjoyed it. It's not even pads. Do you know what? I said to someone, it's so rhythmic. It's like an ancient, I mean, it's like the ancient shamans. You know what I mean? All you need you is a bit enchanted. of- Yeah, all you need is a bit of DMT. And you're just chilling. Kovalev's shitting it though. Like when he hears that, I mean, he's like, that could be. I mean, Yard could knock every one of his teeth out with one shot in that rhythm. I love it how people are so raging about Tunde. The man's like the biggest troll going, and it's quite funny. Do you know what? Uh, just to, I, I know we should really talk about what happened over the weekend, but the thing about this nah. Yard thing is, one of two things is true, right? Either Yard beats Kovalev, Tunde's a genius. Yep. Yard loses to Kovalev, gets four million quid. Turns out he wasn't that good to begin with, and Tunde's a genius, right? There's there's no losing position here. I think he loses a lot of face if Yard. I mean, don't get me wrong, his bank balance goes up considerably. <laughs> You'd sell your face for four million quid. Yeah, his you know manager and trainer percentage of that four million will help his bank balance, but he loses a lot of face for the stuff that he said. But Convert, like I hope Yard goes and does a job over there. I hope he turns out to be the real deal. I don't think he will, but Whoa. come on, like don't say in front of him. <laughs> but how car. how good would it be, like a shot in the arm for British boxing, if he can go and do that, and if he can go and beat Kovalev, if he ironed him out in six rounds, that would then be cool. We would all like that would solidify somewhat Anthony Yard because we've all been frustrated. What? Some some I like he said it's somewhat solidified. That would take him. <laughs> Here, Here we, we go. go. Uh, higher than the pharaohs. and No, I put him in the same bracket as Clinton Woods. <laughs> I think. In terms of like British light heavyweights. Like, look, remember you were banging that bullioni bullshit drum for a while. Right? This is a different level now. We're looking at guys who are going on to fight people. Like, you'll talk about Kovalev in 20, 30 years time. If he beats him, not guaranteed. That's something. That's not Ricky Summers. Just putting it out there. If he hasn't beat him yet. If he goes up there and gets embarrassed he's, in two rounds. He's won by being mentioned in the same name. When did Kovalev ever look at Bullioni and go, be a good fight? When he offered it to him, as did Ward. Did he swerve them? Look at Yard. Yard hasn't even swerved. He's just there like... He's not oh, even fought him yet. There's a very good chance he gets injured over the next couple of weeks. Nah, Yard doesn't And then goes injured. and fights you fucking you Ukrainian you, bin man. You, 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 can't, you can't injure human granite. <laughs> <laughs> Martin's going to feel so conflicted now because he's going to watch he's like yes Yard internally he's thinking if Yard wins it would go for British boxing but Terry will be insufferable <laughs> no I do genuinely hope he wins as insufferable as Terry will be <laughs> there's no doubt in that I accept that <clears throat> right before the pond, uh, the pod descends into complete anarchy with a catch up of recent events let's talk about what happened last night and start with, let's start with Khan Crawford. Did Khan quit? <laughs> yes, he it's, did. Yes, he did. I'm not having any other arguments. Uh, do you know what? Here's my thing. I need a lowdown of the fight, if you would be so kind. Right. So Crawford delivered what I think is the best boxing performance anyone has done. The judges had given, one judge had given Floyd. him all five rounds, hadn't he? And um, the other two judges had given Khan one different round each. Yeah. Des deservedly so. In fact, I can't make an argument for Khan winning any of the rounds. I, it, it, there was some spirit in the beginning, but Crawford boxed at a level that we haven't seen since Floyd, 
Like, and I know people go, but Terry, you love Andre Ward. Yes, I do. And I love Ward for his mastery of fundamentals and his ability to solve problems. But kind of like Lomachenko, Crawford boxes in multiple dimensions. He always finds himself in positions where you're like, you can't train that. That's that's something, you know, we might come on to this later on in the podcast when we talk about, you know, trainers being good or not. You can't say, what's his name? Brian McIntyre is his trainer, Bo Mack. You can't say Bo Mack's a genius trainer because he's trained Crawford. I don't necessarily believe that. I think Bo Mack probably gave Crawford what he knows and what Crawford was able to do was knit it together in a way that basically takes the coaching rule book and rips it up. And so that knockdown. It was if, weird, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> when you break the knockdown, and, and I think this is what makes Crawford special. Khan goes in, and I know Khan rushes in a bit, but Khan goes in and the, the quick one, two, three is on. Crawford adjusts his feet, not textbook, but he adjusts his feet, creates a bit of distance. It's not on anymore. But Khan's got greedy at this point. And as Khan's getting ready to go again, Crawford takes one step to the side of him and comes over the top. I don't think anyone else could do that. Could Loma do it? Maybe. That That's such high-level boxing. I had to watch it about 10 times and go, how did he make that transition? I, 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 there are times when I get excited about you know the technical side, and this is one of them where... Not many other people would have got that knockdown off that shot. And I know people say, oh, but Khan's chinny. Yeah, it was just the way he got that shot and connected clean. And you knew it was clean because Khan did that thing. You know, he does that thing where his leg just bends the wrong way. <laughs> and so so once once he has that 10-8 round and he's got that psychological edge over Khan, Khan then gets nervous. And you can see it because his hand... He's not fainting. His hand's got that kind of nervous jerk of, I don't know what, what to do, but I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. And so Crawford was just like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm quicker than you. I'm working the angles better than you. You're just attacking me in straight lines. You're off balance. Your head's over your feet when you're punching. So I'm really trying to get you with that uppercut as you're coming in. And then, you know, when he switches south, we'll start putting that right it's hook on so him. slick. The way that he switches is that, I actually had to go back and rewatch the first round. Like because by the third round he was going into Southport. And I had to go back and rewatch the first round because I was thinking, I'm sure he came out orthodox, which he did. But you didn't notice which point he switched. Yeah. He, so I had to go back and rewatch he, it. He's a better switch hitter than Hagler. And I know people go, Terry's an idiot. <laughs> watch how he moves and watch how Hagler does it. <laughs> Out of context as it is, yeah. No, no. Watch, watch. Just watch those two fight. And I know Hagler probably <laughs> did it at a higher level, but the way Crawford does it, and I said this is something you can't teach. He just seemed to figure it out. This is just the way you have to switch, or this is the way Terence Crawford is going to switch hit. It's absolutely incredible. But, but it's born out of this idea. So. Crawford's a right-handed fighter. And I think in an old interview with Brian McIntyre, the theory was, well, let him box orthodox. Crawford wanted to box Southpaw. He wanted to switch. So they had him sparring and they got this guy. Like anytime he switches, batter him. As it turns out, Crawford battered the guy. So they were like, right, carry on doing what you're doing. You're, <clears throat> you're better in tune with what your boxing style is than we are. And so I think what I enjoyed most about it is Crawford's ability to reset and so every single time he would like, 
<laughs> it's got this beautiful ability to hide what shot he's throwing. So it looks like it's going to be a jab to the head. It goes to the body. It looks like it's going to be a jab to the head. He brings it around the side. But there are times when he goes to attack and he realizes it's not quite on or Khan has come back himself. And so he's got this lovely ability just to then step back and reset back to zero. And he's planted again to go straight away. So Khan hasn't necessarily had the time to reset himself. But Crawford's already there. And he seems to just do it so naturally that, like, he recognises that maybe he's gone for it. It's not there. Step back and he's ready to go immediately. It's so, like, it's so slick to watch. It's incredible. And I wish people would rate his speed. He was fast in there. Like, he was, like, it was, the punches he was throwing were rapid. His speed of thought, rapid. The way his feet were moving, incredible. Okay, so obviously the, the points you've just literally raised there are, are are not subjective but the question i would have is is was crawford better because khan is definitely on the on the downslide he's on the decline yeah uh, or or is is uh, Crawford uh, legitimately found another level i think crawford beats any version of khan that's ever existed i'd agree because- with that because he didn't out it's not necessarily that he outspeeded him the way he beat khan was with positioning and where where he chose to initiate his attacks from, and where he chose to exit to. Okay, I'll rephrase the question then. Where does it does this does this replace Crawford in the boxing fraternity in terms of where you see him at his level, or is it just he's just outclassed Khan? I think he's number, but I thought he was probably number one before. Right. Okay. No, you didn't. We had this conversation a while back, and you said, <laughs> "Who's he beaten?" <laughs> no, but on talent. Yeah. No. 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 Wait. Wait. On talent, and that's all you can really do on, on this pound for pound list. You look at him and you go, right. He boxes at a higher level than Lomachenko in my eyes. Yeah? Have we stopped? No, 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 no sorry. Okay, uh, shit. Just, yeah, no, keep I'll it moving. put an edit point, it's fine. Keep it there. Don't no. bother. Don't waste your time. No, 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 yeah, no, no. We just have it raw. Have it raw, oh. yeah, yeah. I'll look behind the scenes. <laughs> all right, that suits me. I don't, I don't want to do Oh my it. God, they edit. Oh, nah, This is the bareback version. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, boxing fanatics is going to be like, I'm sure you edited out the apology. <laughs> no, no, so we didn't. No, so on that pound for pound <laughs> list, on that pound for pound list, the discussion has to be between Canelo for his record and his ability, and Crawford for rewriting the rules of boxing. And we'll, we'll come on to when we talk about Lomachenko, but we're witnessing the rules of boxing being rewritten. I'm going to throw Cordina in there as well, and. Trainers and fans now have a choice to look and they go, right, are we still going to keep backing these tried and trusted old trainers who aren't on this new wave? Because I don't see this new wave going away. And I think there's a new orthodoxy in boxing. So where, okay, where, where, what has Crawford shown you in this fight that you didn't see before? Has he shown you anything new? Has it reevaluated what you think about Crawford? Because a second ago, we're talking about you didn't necessarily rate him before this. Has this made him take a significant well, step forward in your mind as a boxer. I think he's suffering from the Bob Arum syndrome whereby there's just no one in the Arum stable for him. Yep. <clears throat> if you if you gave him the opponent Spence had, I think he would stop all of them. But now, we we need that evidence. It's now what do we do because there's very few people left that they can get. Kel Brook would probably be an obvious one. Do I really want to see it? No. Um but you know, the welterweights that are available are PBC fighters. And are PBC and Aram going to come to any agreement? 
it, it hasn't happened thus far. You'd love to see Spence versus Crawford. Like, that is the money fight in the welterweight division now. But it's probably not going to happen. And so... Because... Because Spence is a PBC fighter, Crawford's with top rank. Um, so then you look at who else you'd like to see. Danny Garcia, PBC. Keith Thurman, PBC. Manny Pacquiao, PBC. So why would that happen? Porter, I mean, PBC. I realise when we talk about people being managed by different stables, so, it's always a pain, pain in the ass. But why specifically won't this It's a bit happen? like Warren and Matchroom. You know, their top fighters aren't going to fight one another. unless Even if it can generate well, mega amounts well, of money? But the PBC guys can fight so each far? other. The PBC guys can fight each other and the fans will accept that this group of guys on the PBC side, good enough to keep fighting. They've got a pond of people that they can just keep like rotating around. They don't need it. They don't, they they don't need Crawford. Well, I'll rephrase that. Sorry. They don't need Crawford yet, but at some point they will. So what does Crawford do next then? Just flirt around being the spiritual great. Bob will dig up someone from Eastern Europe. Who's oh, like 45 <laughs> and 0 that we don't know about? Like that one who fought uh, Josh Kelly last night. Get oh, him over. Man. Um, I, I can genuinely see Kel Brook being shipped over for him. That'd be uh, my guess. Kel Brook was there last night. All right, then. In that case, sorry to cut you off. I'll... Well, it's too late. Don't apologize. <laughs> go for it. Go. No, 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 well, no. The next thing I was going to say is. Kilbrook's going to be fighting. Anyway, Crawford. what I was thinking, right? <laughs> what does Khan do next? Um, he's got to retire. Like uh, something was wrong. It, I can't. I can't see that he's going to ever fight Kilbrook. I well, think that may, I feel like he's going to fight him like last, 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 last thing. Like we'll retire. Oh, fuck it. I'll fight Brook for a million. No, I don't think he will. No, I don't Jack? think he wants to give Brook that payday. But I think they should have an I quit match. I genuinely do. WWE <laughs> style. <laughs> No, 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 no. Isn't the, no, it's the, the I quit match is basically you have to quit in the ring. It's the retirement match you want where the loser has to No, no, because Khan quit last night. Brooke has, okay, like his were far worse, that broken eye socket, but he still, you know, took that knee and said no more, which is fair enough. Uh, I'm not criticizing that. Oh, so you're talking about an I quit matches. They keep going, rounds are infinite. Infinite rounds. Until somebody quits. Until one of them. I put this on Twitter earlier, but like Ian John Lewis with the microphone in their mouth, like, I quit. And I want to hear either Khan or Brooks say it. Brilliant. Yeah, because definitely. Infinite rounds. And here's why, like, because I got asked this, do you think Khan quit? And I just, all I could say was, I've never seen anything in Khan that says quit before. So it leads me to believe there was something not right before this fight. And I don't know what that is. Uh, there was a I actually think though, wasn't there? I, hmm? I still think there's a hangover from the Canelo, like sparked pure clean out in the ring. I think there's a little bit of him that was maybe taken that night that stops him wanting to be in that position again. Because that fight was surprising, would it? That fight was only going one way last night, and that was going to be a Crawford stoppage at one point or another. And so, actually, if you're given the get out to say, "Look, you're still going to get paid the same amount of money. You've got a legitimate reason, like you've been low blowed." The referee well, had five minutes to give him, but he didn't give him the five minutes. He kept going back to him every like five seconds, going like, "Are we going to go on? Are we going to go on? Are we going to go on?" Like, well, Paulie Manaji reckons that after about a third round, he was like, "Right, I'm just going to absolutely give it everything now." And in well, fact, when was the low blow? Fifth. I I can't remember, I can't I'm paraphrasing him because I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like. He gave it absolute beans for whatever amount of time with the knowledge that actually, you know what, if, if I get nothing from these next, whatever it was, two rounds, then I'm just going to quit. 
That that was what Point Man Nage's theory was. Uh, that Khan had gauged the fight, knew he wasn't going to get anywhere, thought he'd give it four beans to try and look like he tried, and then... Okay, so how many times has Malinaji done that? Did he do that against McGregor when he got put on his ass? Do you know, you can put that kind of lens on it. And I'm I'm loath to say someone quit unless I can be sure and I can say, you know what, that guy's just, he just doesn't want it anymore. And like I said before, everything about Khan up until a second before the referee waves it off is he gets put on his ass, he gets back and comes back swinging. Maybe that's gone or... Maybe something happened in camp that meant he wasn't the Amir Khan that we thought he'd be. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's all very murky. And I think what boxing's taught me is don't always give in to your base instinct and your base opinion because there'll be something that sits underneath that, that that won't come to light until much later on. But I don't know what that is. There was just something not right about that. Yeah, my view because is that... It maybe, wasn't a nut shot. It was... It he, was a hip almost. He hit him in the hip, you know, yeah, and, and that's and, what was weird about it. But Crawford's known for this because Crawford's got that that weird kind of sweeping, arcing shot that comes from way down below. Yeah, because some people when they throw the uppercut or that sort of modified uppercut hook, they just keep it really short and crisp. He will really heave that up. So there's always a risk that if you move forward into that, you're going to catch that. And so it's probably something he'll have to look at because that was... Had that fight carried on, I don't know if the ref would have taken a point. Yeah, but I, I, I do think... I think he quit, and I don't necessarily blame him. As I say, like I think that Canelo fight must linger somewhere mentally in your head of what happened that night. He wasn't even getting the success that he had against Canelo. He was just... He wasn't getting horrendously beaten up, but he was not winning any rounds particularly. I think there must be a part of a fighter's mentality... It, he looked the, in pretty poor shape as well. That's what I thought. He looked a bit fleshy. Yeah, so, I just, every, just everything about that was like, there's something wrong here. Like he couldn't seem to move his feet because you know, Khan. Even even like even when we've said Khan looks shit, the thing about Khan is he jumps in, he raids, he jumps back out, circles you. He wasn't doing any of that against Crawford. Yeah. But for the record, I don't really have an issue with it if he did quit. Like, I know his boxing fans were meant to be outraged, but look, I didn't pay for a flight over there. I didn't even get up and watch it. I watched it this morning. So I don't I don't really have an issue with it because I think it was only going one way anyway. And like, we'll come on to Krola Lomachenko and the argument of whether the towel should have come in for that, which it probably should have. Like, this was just a preempt of that almost. And yeah, I, 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 for what Khan has given us over the years, if he gives us one ducking of a, a fight during it, at least he took the fucking fight in the first place. I don't have any... Yeah. Right. Um, Andy, you got to... <laughs> Andy, you are, <laughs> mate. Let's hey. move on to hey. Matchroom. Uh, yeah. Matchroom's Sky card, and I'm just going to... Mike, can you hold it. that door, mate? Yeah, I'm going to hold it open. I don't want this. <laughs> don't want it in your face. Oh. You don't want the brown shower of doom. Get out of here. Fucking now, guys, just to update you, I think, I think Andy's either had a hot curry or some Carolina Reaper chilies, man. Like he's literally, like, do you know when you have that where you genuinely feel like there's a red hot poker up there, and you're like, oh, and you know he's gonna be ages now because he's gonna literally just sit on there until until it, until the burning calms down. Lovely, lovely. So let's move on to matchroom. As Andy's not here, yeah. So, where are we going to start? Because that card last night was pony. But... It, one, of the, 
It's the new normal, isn't it? They've, they've, they've kind of conditioned us this year. If you lower the standard long enough... It becomes a new normal. And Adam Smith will say exactly the same thing. You could have had God versus Satan on there. He'd have said exactly the same thing about that card. If you lower the standard long enough and you do it by very incremental steps, then you kind of accept poor. Yeah. So yeah. Where, do we, where do we kick off? Town and Cordina? I thought Cordina looked good. I thought Townend looked horrible. That's what I... I didn't get Townend's game plan whatsoever. And Cordina is a level above. And so it's almost like Khan Crawford in that sense that like one was always going to win it. But I didn't get where Townend was going with it. But, but you remember Townend was his like... He, he was, was a banger. Well, this, was, this was the hype coming out of Yorkshire there. Townend's the best lightweight on the small hall scene. And, you know, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. He'll give Ritson nightmares. Now we know what happened with Ritson, so you're like, eh, whatever. And then he fights Cordina, and in with inside ten seconds, you're like, this guy is so slow. Yeah. And this is the thing I, I guess I was talking about about the changing orthodoxy in boxing. These kids from the Olympics, 2012, 2016, and likely 2020, are carrying that amateur work rate into the pros. And the idea is, okay, we might not be able to do it for 12 rounds, but if we can force this pace on these old plodding northern it's mostly northern boxers isn't it who have that kind of plodding <laughs> style if we can force this on them we won't have to go the 12 as long as there's a bit of pop in the punches we won't have to go the 12 and that's what you're seeing with Kelly you're seeing it with Cordina in a way you're seeing it with Okoli it's a bit ungainly but Okoli for at that cruiserweight is forcing you to work more than the cruiserweights used to. Lomachenko is one of the masters at it. But I well, like Cordina. Yeah. I like Cordina. I think he's very understated as well, which helps, you know, if you're going to back anyone emotionally, he's quite an understated guy. I just, just no power in him. So, nothing is there. It's, and he'll struggle when someone's got timing. Yeah. So, right, let's move on. Let's not give it too much time because it doesn't deserve it. Uh, Josh Kelly and the Polish plumber. Mate, do you know what? When I, I was watching that while buying my half price lamb, I'm not going to lie. So I'm in Tesco's watching this. And you know when he got put down, I think it was round nine. Yeah. That was such an emotional roller coaster because I was like, I want this guy to see this Agree. fight to the end. Why? Because I don't want Josh Kelly to get that stoppage where we start talking about him fighting. Terence Crawford next. You know how Sky get yeah, yeah. overblown. I was like, I want, I want this really limited guy who've who's never left Poland, who probably fought in some pub somewhere week after week to build up a record. In, in the so same way, Shannon Courtney's opponent on her debut, we wanted her to see the final yeah. bell. So I, w I want that guy to see the final bell, and I want him to go to York Hall on a show. They, like, they did well to find this bloke. He's like 20 and 0 or something. Like, so all he's done is fight in Poland. He's like 20 and 0. So they build him up beforehand. Like he's Ali. They're giving him like the full undefeated treatment. And what was what was Diamante's um, catch line going into the fight? Um, they're going to have to neck someone's nil. What? Nick, some, nick someone's nil. As in like nicks yeah. it out. It was the worst catch line to a fight I think I've ever heard. It will not catch on. But he's, he's, he's garbage. He is, isn't he? He is. Sorry, sorry. He's garbage. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, no, get, get our man Ricky Wright in there. Much better. Yeah, but... So when I look at... When I look at Kelly... 
Do you see the point where there's a point where he was in the corner and he was doing all of that flashy? He did shit about he was ten doing. seconds of like shadow defense whilst the Polish geezer just looked at him and he wasn't even enraged. The guy was like, <laughs> um, "Do you know what he?" Polish guy was like, "Guy, he was like my friend. Why are you doing this when I'm not ready to punch?" Yeah, like when, when I'm ready to punch. Then you do this, but you don't do it when I'm ready to punch. He was literally just stood in the middle of the ring looking at him while Kelly's like, uh, 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 Again, I uh, tweeted it last night. It's like you're playing fight night and your controllers come undone and your fighter's just fucking spasming (laughs) in the corner. That's what Kelly was doing. So, and, and, and I think... Johnny Nelson was trying to tell us he had power. And I like how Frosch had to correct him. Yeah. And go, no, 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 no. Prince Nassim had power. Yeah, Prince Nassim could change a fight with one uppercut. Josh Kelly can't, and so he's going to face a problem when that that stuff doesn't work on someone. Like, will that work on someone like a Conor Ben? Probably not. You know, and it's not to say Josh isn't, but he doesn't. He strikes me as a bit of an experiment at the moment. You know, Joe, like David Hay, was an experiment over one type of fighting. Yeah, where it was. Can we take the least possible risk in securing knockout victories? Essentially what they did with David. We don't want David throw more than X number of punches. And there's a bit of that with, with Josh Kelly, where you see he, he, he rashes his punches. Spurts, like three fight, three punch spurts and then goes for a spins walk. off. Now at Welterweight, you're not gonna imagine doing that against Sean Porter. <laughs> you can't. So by the that, time you've walked off, Porter will be on your chest again, yeah, ready to he, go. The, some of these sort of Mexican and Latin American fighters who, who have that that beautiful footwork where whatever you do they'll mirror it so you can't actually create that distance and there were a couple of times where he was so sloppy on the end of his combinations that you think if Danny Garcia was on the other end of that the left hook of Danny Garcia Ooh. would have wiped out Josh Kelly last Ooh. night it would have wiped him out so so when people say of all the 2016 Olympians Josh Kelly is the most like Andy are you okay mate He's got water. I don't know if that's for the mouth or for the ass. I really don't Do we need to ring like the non-emergency number? That was not a pleasant Did it burn on the way out? Lovely. Lovely. If I just tell you it consisted majority of foam. Oh my God. (laughs) Foam? Oh my. If you're eating a fire extinguisher. It was like moose or something. Were you at Michael Barrymore's party last night? Anyway, I, I don't have an issue. I don't have an issue with the showboating, particularly. Like, th- there's nothing wrong with a bit of flash in the ring, but it has to be backed up by the intent to finish off your opponent. Yeah. It has to be backed up by trying to stop that fight going the distance. And Josh Kelly didn't do that last night. Enough. I know he said he broke his hand, but that was in the fifth round. You had five rounds to get rid of this guy. Yeah. And you chose to dance around, you chose to showboat, you chose to pony about, and all the the sky acolytes are like, oh, this is class, this is brilliant. You're going to look good against guys you'd never have fought in the amateurs because it wouldn't have been a fair fight. So all of these guys are just swerving the issue. There are guys they boxed in the Olympics that turned pro. Why doesn't he fight Yelusinov? Yeah. Oh, that'd be a horrible fight. It'd as be well. boring as hell, but fight Yelusinov because I don't want to have to watch Yelusinov on this side yeah. and Kelly on this side. Doing the go, same thing. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> none of you are stopping anyone. Fight each other. Yeah. Right. So uh, 
I'll just uh, jump yeah. straight in, knowing exactly where we are in the in the agenda of things. So what else was there? Chizoragashi. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> Wait a minute. Chizora was uh, Chizora was involved in a boring fight. For a man who's got the nickname War, he doesn't really have many wars, does he? Like, <clears throat> he does, <laughs> there was nothing in that last night. Gashi, no- Gashi was to blame. Gashi was horrendous. Gashi had no um, no vision to come out there and try and win the fight. But everyone but, else has hit Gashi. But, yeah, other people have caused Gashi problems and Chizora could not stop him just escaping to Chizora's right. At no point did Chizora step to the right and throw an overhand, which would have stopped or at least put off Gashi from doing the same thing every single time. He came in heavier, Chizora, than he was before, stoned a bit. What's he been doing with Coldwell? How have they been preparing for this fight? Eating. <laughs> but you know, you've got to look at it. And I don't believe he should have ever left Don Charles. I think you get to a certain point where one trainer's approach is all you know. He's 35 years old. Like, What's he going to learn new? Like, Just stick with what you know. The only... Look, I'm... I'm I'm not a guy that could ever speak ill of Don Charles. I I've spoken highly of him on this podcast before. I'm a I'm a fan of Don the man. I'm a fan of Don the trainer in a lot of ways. I think the move might have just been prompted by Derek feeling at 35 he needed a tougher regime to to extract whatever's left out of him. Maybe that Dillian fight took more out of him than he thought. And actually, at 35, Derek, maybe you need to be fighting in December and then June, and then maybe December again. Maybe you do need to let the body rest, and you need to rediscover your enthusiasm. You know, the guys are just on their phones at the moment. Martin's texting Steve, and he's texting I'm looking through our listeners' questions. So you're talking to listeners, and I'm about to... I'm on Pornhub. uh, I I, I, I talk to myself. I'm about to ask you how Martin Bacoli is from Africa, Scottish, and eligible to be the champion of Poland, (laughs) which is what somebody (laughs) sent in. (laughs) But but you carry on what you were saying and yeah, think so, about an answer. So when you're watching, when I watched that fight yesterday, number one, I saw someone who who thought it was going to be an easier night than it was. And then he was just like, I can't be bothered with this. You know, you could see that he's like, I just can't be bothered. Because Derek could have stepped on the gas and yeah. probably taken him out in six or seven. He, he, for whatever reason, he didn't. Found the tactics call or gave him very strange. Derek is not an upright boxer. That wasn't working for him. Derek needs that kind of that dip and that bounce. That's where he gets the power from. It's that leg drive. You know, as, as big as his upper body is, it's not an explosive frame. So he needs to drive through the legs. Which incidentally looked tiny yesterday. But, you know, but what did people think Gashi was going to do at 15 stone 10? Do they really think he's going to stand and trade? You know, all I think is, why does anyone want to watch Derek Chisora anymore? I still can't. No, like, it's no, no because if you go back to that Dillian White fight, or the two Dillian White fights, but the last one particularly, it was a brilliant fight. It was highly enjoyable. And maybe Chisora needs that additional threat level to bring himself up through his gears. Maybe that's what it is. But we didn't see it last night. And maybe that Dillian White, the two Dillian White fights have taken it out yeah. of him. Maybe there's not as much left as, as maybe we'd hoped. But... I, you, you kind of question what's left. And I don't mean of Chisora, I mean to achieve. Because well, he's, yeah. he's not going to move up to the Joshua fight or the Wilder fight, you would assume. And so what do you do? He's proven at that elite level he's not good enough. 
Yeah. Because he's been there and he's been knocked back several times. And he's proven that when he steps down a, a, a level, so to speak, that he either loses because he can't be bothered to actually train for it or whatever it was. That fast was in Monaco that time. The Cabiel fight. Or... You know, or he he just he he fights people who either don't feel at his level and sit back like the gash you something like that just delivers something miserable. So maybe Chisora White was just a perfect combination of a fight yeah. that would always yeah. be good to get watch. him up for it. The styles mesh well. Yeah. The personalities yeah. mesh well because Gashi's not a big guy. I saw him on Friday at the weigh-in. He's not a big guy. If you seen Gashi and someone had told you he's a heavyweight, you'd have been like, ah, I, don't, well, I mean, I don't. Would Eric McConzo be looked bigger fight. than Gashi. Is he getting the Joshua fight, Eric? I think Eric is actually. Is he? Well, he's breaking news. Yeah, Eric McConzo will fight Anthony Joshua would, in June first. Would Chisora Allen be an interesting fight? I'd like to see Derek versus Eric McConzo. <laughs> Chisora Allen, because they both they both want to get into a scrap. I wouldn't be mad if they made it. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad not? if they made it. Like I wouldn't pay for it though. No, no, like. <laughs> Yes, you would. It'd be pay per view, mate. Well, just as <laughs> Dillian White, Oscar Rivas is, as we found out last night. Well, actually, this is a British boxing blog asks, if Alan Brown is an acceptable Sky Sports show, is it sadly inevitable that anything remotely decent is pay-per-view? White Rivas as a prime example. It's not a bad mm. fight, is it? Like, Rivas has earned the right. Like, Rivas has been up there. He's only beaten three people with positive records. Mm. But where's that level of pay-per-view, no. I think, is the most... You know, oh, we, we can't. Question. Nobody's yeah. ever going to answer that now because, as a purist, as somebody who grew up with it, it was Tyson Lewis. It was Holyfield Lewis. Now it's White Chisora. Like they're different levels entirely. I've still mm. got the mindset of it needs to be the best versus the best to top up their purses so that you can make that fight because you otherwise wouldn't be able to. You can't tell me Dillian White and Rivas need that additional <laughs> topping up of their purses. Like, and the only reason you could say yes, they do is because they've created a false economy and a false marketplace. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It really like, does. That's the reason. So if Hearn turned around and said, look, this isn't pay-per-view. Sorry, Dillian. I'm really sorry, Dillian, but it's not. Then Dillian may well say, well, I'm not going to fight him then. Fine. Okay, we'll sit on the shelf and you can't fight anyone then. Like, unless it's Wilder, unless it's Fury, unless it's Joshua, well, then there aren't really any pay-per-view fights out there for you. So here's the bit I find interesting, right? This is what we've got to put up with. Brazil versus Wilder. Joshua versus... Schwartz. Hunter. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. That was Fury, Just any B-rate American fighter. That, well, you've got three then big heavyweights. Fury on. versus Schwartz. Yeah. And then White versus Rivas. These are all deemed so pay-per-view level fights. I think they know that nobody wants to see those fights. And so they've got... But they're peddling them out anyway. And because well, it's almost like the heavy... If you're a heavyweight boxing fans are so starved of anything right now, they just watch anything. And they'll why just they watch do it? In the ring. It's because they can. Because some mug will pay for it. Yeah. And that's the horrendous thing about it is enough people will pay for White versus Rivas. Like, Sky owe us as fan bases. Like, I'm not a paying customer, so I can't really talk <laughs> about it, but... For quite a long time as well. Yeah, but Sky <laughs> owe the, the customer, the boxing fan base. People who do pay... <laughs> They owe those people a lot because what they've served up over the last 12 months or so has been shitty. And so it would just be a goodwill gesture to say you can have White versus um, Rivas 
and you know Matchroom or Sky or whoever will top up the white purse so he's happy enough with it. They owe boxing fans that, but they don't do it, and so that goodwill disappears. So for every card they put on last night, like last night, people get annoyed about it because they're having to pay the additional for what should be a Saturday fight night. And then on a Saturday fight night, they're giving us pretty turgid cards. And so you're kind of, you're isolating boxing fans. And yet I say that and people will still pay for white Rivas. So I don't know how you solve the problem. Um, Let's talk about... Then it's not a problem, is it? Yeah. If they'll pay for it, it's not a problem. Agreed. It's just that classic British thing of, we're just going to complain about everything. Let's talk about... uh... David Allen, Lucas Brown. I remember Lucas Brown put out a video the other, uh, probably a few weeks back, of him doing some pad work, and it looked like someone had slowed the video down. It was so <laughs> slow and cumbersome. It was horrendous. Um, you know, every time there's a Joe Joyce highlight video, and somebody puts like, "Oh, really good job slowing this down," yeah. <laughs> every single time. <laughs> I think, to be fair, that was somebody had also done the same thing to that. I love these slow mo you know, reels or whatever it was. It was painful to watch. Um, so David Allen comes out on top. Give me a lowdown of the fight because it won't surprise you that I didn't watch it. <gasps> Shocker. Terry is shocked. No, that just hurt. I'm hurt. Well, he's gonna. It, Dave, it should Dave, be a consistent Dave, hurt in that. Dave, if nothing Dave's else. one of us. Right. Anyway, right. tell me what he did. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> Lucas Brown won the first two rounds. I think it's fair to say there was a worry that Allen was slipping into that mentality that we've seen of him before when he's when things aren't going his way, he tucks up and becomes a sparring partner rather than goes on the offensive himself looking to do damage. And after maybe a round and a half, you kind of sat there thinking it's going that way a little bit. He's still using that... He's got a really weird blocking technique, hasn't he? Like he uses the cross arm and the the kind of raised arm but it's not quite effective enough at times it's still there are shots that are getting through there um, and you sat there thinking Lucas Brown for all of his faults the one thing he has got is power um, or had whether he's still got it is possibly questionable um, but you know for two big blokes no massive shots were getting through out of two of them Alan was swinging that big right hand. He did it so early on. Was it like five seconds into the fight? Windmills one over the top. And you're like, we can't finish every fight like that. (laughs) You know, on fight night, like when you just walk in and like power shot, bang, power shot, bang. (laughs) That's kind of what it felt like. But it was a beautiful shot that ended it. He ducked underneath the, uh, the brown hook and then just himself left hook underneath the elbow right into the side and left Lucas Brown just, like, shaking his head on the floor. Um, But it kind of came from nowhere, because it wasn't... You didn't feel like he was setting that shot up, necessarily. It's just that that shot was there, there and then. And you haven't really seen Dave Allen do that shot an awful lot in the past. Um, No, he he does a lot. You know, remember the Nick Webb stoppage? Yep. That's the shot that basically confused Nick, because he threw the hook to the body... And then comes out to the right and then boom. <laughs> but it was those body shots that had Nick Webb bringing... So that, that, I, I, it's the one thing I will give Dave credit for. It's for all of his jokey, cheeky, chappy, he really knows his boxing. He can box. And he knows what to do. Is he getting better? No. 
He's and not yeah, improving. When I watched that fight, I just thought, uh, and I'll say this well, John Plaza beats all four of those guys, in my opinion. And I know people go, Terry, fuck off! Stop! I like this. I know. I know people say stuff because it's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a brilliant. True. It's a window but, into but, Terry's but, psyche of nothing he, else. He, I know people but, say Terry's an idiot. It's my, my particular fact. But here's my logic: nothing causes more hell for heavyweights than pace. Um, and, you, and you don't have to be. A, look, Joe Joyce is an example. You don't have to be a good heavyweight or super skillful, but if you've got that pace that is twenty or thirty percent higher than the average heavyweight. They lose that thinking time that they have. Like, if you look, Dave knew against Lucas Brown, it would be so slow, he'd have time to have a look, have a think, do some stuff. The uppercuts are coming, but Dave was like, I back my chin. Yeah. Had that been someone, I'm trying to think, who, who, who's who got a decent work rate for a heavyweight? I'm struggling. Andy Ruiz Jr., for example, who boxed last night as well. Someone like an Andy Ruiz Jr., who's a combination puncher and has hand speed. Dave doesn't get that luxury. He didn't get that luxury against Yoke. He didn't get that luxury against Brown. Did I say Brown? Ortiz. Yoke, Ortiz, sorry, not Brown. He didn't He didn't have that luxury because those guys have that pace. And Dave will struggle when someone brings that pace, like a Nathan Gorman or Dubois. When they bring that pace, and I'm not talking about power or skill or anything like that, just the sheer pace of the fight where Dave's like, fuck me, I have to keep up. So I think there's a conditioning aspect to Dave that he's got to work on. You know, how many effective moves can he do around? Can he increase that by 30%? I was pleased for him though. It was a perfect piece of matchmaking for him because Lucas Brown, you know, Sky could sell it as a former world champion. Um, all these things. Yeah, it was quite clear that he's not the Lucas Brown. Not that he was ever an elite level boxer, but he's not at the level that he was when he was at his best. Um, and it's a good look. <laughs> It's a good win for Dave Allen. Quite what it does with him next. I want to see him and Price. No. Let him fight his peer group. I w- let's stop digging up these bodies for Dave Allen. Fight your peer group. Fight the guys you knock about with. You knock about with Nathan Gorman. You knock about with Huey Fury. You, you knock about with these guys. Get in the ring with them. Let's find out of this next wave of guys we're supposed to be getting excited about. Where does Dave Allen fit in that mix? That's... That's what we want to see. We want to see a young... Because Dave's, what, 27? Yeah. Get a young man with another young man. Let him scrap it out. Because the longer we keep digging up these relics, the harder it is to make a case for him fighting at a higher level. But if he beats the Nathan Gorman, we're like, oh, yeah, all right. Do you see um, Dave Allen... Like I said, do you see him... Do you think he's improved? You said no. Do you see him... He's 27. He's relatively young for a heavyweight still. Do you see it? A bright future for him going forward. He's got two, a few decent wins under his belt in his most recent fights. So is that not a trajectory f- moving forward? He's, moving up? Do you know what? He's just got that that thing. I don't even know how you describe it. He's got that thing which is. <laughs> As we get older and older, this is what's going to be. <laughs> Our podcast going to be punctuated by Ma- toilet. Ma- Martin breaks. is like Abe Simpson. <laughs> no, so Dave, what was I even talking about when it came to Dave, Andy? Well, I was asking you: Do you think that 
given his recent wins, uh, the fact, do you think, do you see, looking at his current trajectory, can we assume that he's going to get better and do... Let's be real, Dave... He's quite young for heavyweight. Dave has appeal amongst beer-drinking English men. And it's not rational. It's not based on anything other than Dave looks like their mate down the pub. Yeah, he's also... He's got that. And he's got that kind of, you know, the backstory. He's open about and honest about his feelings and, and where he's coming from. And that from. makes him lucrative. So people always give him fights. But no one's getting behind Dave Allen going, I can see him giving Wilder trouble. I can see him giving Fury trouble. It's not. We're just trying to find fights for Dave Allen to headline, bring that big demographic with him, and hopefully make an entertaining fight and win. That's why the Chisora fight. Has he got fight. that in his locker going forward? Has he ever got a chance of causing those fighters problems? Nah, he's the heavyweight he'll always be now. He no. might get fitter, but he'll always be that heavyweight. Like, he's had his, his learning and development phase. This is now your, your execution phase. So you might learn bits here and there, but Dave Allen will be Dave Allen going forward. Right, before we go on, I just want to give some nods to people that have sent in questions at the last minute, but have then, we've covered, subsequently covered those But points. you weren't here, Andy, when we Paul covered Alti, them. So. Yes, uh, which has also been covered in graphic detail. <laughs> Paul Alzai um, asked, with all the showboating last night, not with Kelly, not having the best results, i.e. when Naz did spark them out, is there a fine line between effective and ineffective yeah, showboating? You did absolutely cover that. Um, Scott McGee asks thoughts on Tunde's recent remarks regarding Yard Kovalev. Now we did cover. I thought Tunde was very understated. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go far enough. Well, well he no, said, no, no, he no, said no, he's no, better than no, Ward. Did no, that hurt you? No, no. He could be right. He actually could be right. I look. He could be right, uh, but he might be able to fly. Chuck him off a building. We'll find out. <laughs> well, no, let's not go so oh, no, far. He couldn't. No, no, let's not go so far. He's a, he's a boxer. Right, but if you ask me, could he be better than Sugar Ray Robinson? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate it that people can't see you laugh when you say this shit. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, people like, people Raging. come back at me. Yeah. No, this, is, this isn't funny. This is serious. Like, <laughs> you should see his face. <laughs> people think he genuinely uh, means it. I'll, I'll let you guys, you know, carry on. Okay, Daniel, <laughs> uh, I imagine, uh, uh, da- Daniel Smith, 87, I should say, uh, I imagine... Okay. Allen slash Khan slash Miller will all be covered. So my question is what your boys' opinions on Cordina are, which we've covered. Thought he was excellent last night, aside from Watsi. Think he is the pick of the current 2016 GB boys. So who would you like to see him in with next? Did you cover who you'd like to see him in with next? He's elegant as hell. I like him. Put him in with Luke Campbell. I'm I'm tired of these guys pussyfooting around. Make Ritson come back down. Put him in with Ritson. Put him in with someone who's meant to be going places as well. Like he has no business with journeymen anymore. He has no business with, with those with no one from the small halls. None of that. They were talking about Patera, weren't they? The one to beat Ritson. Ooh. I'm cool with that. Ooh. Yeah. It seems very early. He's only had nine fights, isn't he? He's Commonwealth champion. He's British champion. He's WBA something or other champion. Yeah. But um, these are all meaningless titles. I don't mind it. Like if you're if you're there, say you want to be a world champion in a hurry, fight fight, fight Patera. Uh, Matthew Skelton asks a question about Khan. Has Amir underachieved in boxing given his athleticism and hand speed now that it seems to have slowed down and his lack of defence and fundamentals has been exposed when coming in against elite fighters? Ooh. I don't think he's underachieved. He's been a multi-weight world champion. 
I think he's given us great nights. He's fought the best that he could fight at the time of his eras. He never stepped away from fighting people. When he's gone through Maidana, when he's gone through Danny Garcia, he hasn't Canelo. always come out with the win. Canelo, mm. Crawford, all these people are the top of the range of what he could have fought at the time. Compare that to Kel Brook and now tell me which one's underachieved in their career. Like, I'm not saying it can only be one or the other, but maybe he hasn't won everything we hoped he would win, but he's taken the chances that other fighters haven't necessarily taken. I've got nothing but love for Khan. Yeah, I, I love Khan. I feel, and this is a cautionary tale in boxing, what happens is when you get a kid like Khan, who was a fantastic amateur, uh, probably him and Nicky Smedley, I think Nicky Smedley was probably better as a technician. <laughs> was he better he's than Yard? smiling again. No, 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 no. Nicky Smedley's a different sort of character. Oh, like, he was well-trained by Chris, the living God legend Chris Smedley. So, no, no. So, Carl and Nicky Smedley, peers, head-to-head. Either of them could have gone to the Olympics. I think Nicky could have won gold, but Nicky had other, other plans. Is that life. right? And then... World domination. So, when you end up with an Olympic silver medal, what ends up happening is... People assume you've got it all already, right? They're like, ah, Amir Khan, you know what I mean? So he jumps in with, I think it was Oliver Harrison he had first, right? Yeah. What did Oliver Harrison really teach him? Not that much. So he moves to Rubio. Rubio says, right, fight this Brady's Prescott. This is an easy fight for you. Clump. And then a lot of what Rubio was trying to teach, he never got a chance to because it was like, well, if you're going to tell him, mate, you're fired. And then Khan had those sort of wilderness years with, with Freddie Roach and whatnot where Freddie doesn't really teach you anything. He just tweaks what you already have. And it was good for him, but it wasn't teaching him stuff that he would need in his later career. Much like Roy Jones. No one really taught Roy Jones the things he needed in his later career. Whereas with James Tony, he learned all the stuff he'd need in his later career, early in his career. So when you saw James get older, he wasn't getting hit the same way that Roy was because he had those fundamentals and the defensive nous, which Khan has never had. Khan was always going to be that springy in and out guy and he was just going to beat you with speed and volume and that's all gone now so it's like well have you got the the slick clever head movement no you know you had a style for a man in his 20s you're a man in your 30s now and that's a failing on so many trainers who didn't deliver for him when they should have done and it's a warning for all trainers if you're not educating your boxer not just for today but for tomorrow as well and and this goes back to just to make it live. It's the conversation I had with Don Charles around John Pilato where I said, there'll be two phases to John's career. There'll be this phase where John's the super athlete, in shape, hungry, training like a beast. And there'll be a bit where he gets to 34 and he's not going to be able to spring in and out anymore. And he's going to need tools for both scenarios. And you have to start preparing for both of them now. Uh, Peter? Uh, Adam's family th- 2386 yeah. he, uh, he said Terry was about to discuss Andrew Selby fight against Julio Cesar Martinez Aguilar a couple of weeks ago but he got sidetracked would like his take on the fight ah oh, condem- it was heartbreaking man it was heartbreaking what's happened to Andrew Selby Jesus how how mismanaged can someone's career be Selby's better than all of those guys based on talent and ability to do the impossible. Selby's light years ahead of guys like Charlie Edwards. But look, 
Charlie Edwards is just grafted and he's had the right setup around him. There's a lot that's gone on outside the ring with Andrew Selby. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And you almost don't... If you're looking after Andrew Selby, the last thing you want to do is send him to Mexico to box at altitude and have no time to acclimatize. He lost that because the altitude fucked him up. Like, we have this so many times in this country where we send fighters to country that we don't prepare them. And so when they lose, we go, what the hell was that all about? We do it with all our sports. Like when England went to South Africa to play the rugby last summer and they got dicked, you know, at like 5,000 feet altitude. It's like, well, we thought we'd be all right. No, you won't. And it's the same with Mexico, which is like 6,000 feet. I think if Selby has that rematch in Wales, he probably wins it. But the altitude fucked him up. It's sad. But, I mean, also, with all the stuff that's gone on with Andrew outside the ring, is now the time to be taking him over to Mexico for that fight? You would like to think somebody would have said, let's put it off six months. Like, if you're not ready for that world title eliminator, don't go and do it. It's sad. It is sad because he's such a talented individual. Uh, and the rest of the questions now, uh, Tom Pearson asks, how far can Dave Allen go? That's one part of his question. We kind of covered that. What do you think, mine? Because you was out of the room when Terry sort of covered that. Um, I don't think he beats his peers that Terry mentioned. You know, Huey Fury, Nathan Gorman, Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce. I don't think he beats any of them. That's not been horrible about Dave Allen. I just don't think he'd beat them. And so it depends on what the traffic is in terms of how far you go. You typically judge someone by what title they'll end their career with. If he's happy to wait around at, say, a British title level for a number of years and allow those ones to move through, then I think he could get a British title by the time his career ends, which I think would be a great achievement for him. I think he'd get his own slot on Babe Station, though. <laughs> Uh, can we get some enlightenment on White's opponent? So he wants to know some sort of low-down Rivas. What can you tell us? Olympian. Rivas is a small heavyweight. I think this, And this has always been the thing where he's always been off the grid because I think Rivas is like 6'1", which even if you're, if, if you're a 6'1 cruiserweight, you're a small cruiser. So he's a 6'1 heavyweight. He's Colombian. Uh, he's famous for beating Pulev in the Olympics. But he's kind of been on the, the boxing chitling circuit for ages, just collecting wins and, you know, just floating around. But always been skillful, never got a break. Now, I don't know if he's with top rank. He's signed with one of those promoters now, and they've realized that the heavyweight division is sexy, so they need opponents. So they've started to build up Oscar Rivas now. So Rivas is being built. It's very skillful, combination puncher. It'll be a good fight with Dillian because Rivas has ring nous and he punches in combinations and he seems capable of knocking people out. So it's a good fight. I still think Dillian's too big and he's too strong. And it's not until you stand in front of Dillian White you realise you wouldn't want to fight him. He's just... He's enormous. That's the way you can describe Dillian White. He's, is that he's enormous. Did you see him yesterday with the backpack? I don't know what was in that backpack he had on. Yeah. But he just looks enormous. Uh, you've had time to think about it now. Ian Wellman. Ah, shout out to Ian Wellman. Anyone that's got any Microsoft recruitment needs, man, that's your guy. How is Martin Bacoli from Africa, Scottish and eligible to be the champion of Poland? 
And then a picture of him with the champion of Poland. Put belt. some flesh on it. He went and beat Marius Vak two weeks ago, a week yeah. ago. I can't remember. Um, which it was kind of deemed an upset. I think because Vak's team had flown Bacoli over for it, presumably thinking after the Hunter defeat, he's not as good as what people had assumed. But Wack is shot to shit. Yeah. Like, absolutely shot to shit. Like, his his strength was his uh, durability. And that's gone. And so there wasn't really an awful lot left. And Bacoli just ran through him. Um, and yeah, subsequently ended up becoming the Polish champion. <laughs> In the same way Ian Lewison was like WBO Oriental champion. No, but, but Ian Lewison has Chinese relatives. Oh, does he? Yeah, so, so, so they actually had to... No, so Ian Lewison had to prove... That there was Chinese blood, like I think it's like grandparents. My great granddad's Spanish. Can I go and I might go and see I what I can get on to over there? Um, don't, don't know if you make Walter though. I mean, La Haraja. <laughs> <laughs> that he's lost his European. So, yeah, so, so, but yeah, yeah, trained by Billy Nelson up in Scotland from Congo, Polish champion. The man's got everything. Man's Spari Joshua currently as well. Um. Let's move on then to our sort of catch-up section, given that we've been away no, for whoa, so long. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to talk about the PBC card. If you want. Yeah. Well, it Dan, wasn't Dan on the got... agenda that I asked you to contribute to. Remember? <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> no. I, d- I said we've got to talk about Danny Garcia. No, you didn't. I did. You oh, thank you. Because I, I wrote no. down lots and lots of names, really, none of which was mate, Danny you can, Garcia. You can't even read that back, man. It says Danny Garcia on there. <laughs> Right, so... Take advantage of the fact that they can't see anything. R- Dream r- it, r- believe r- it, r- achieve it, Terry. Yeah. P- the of the cup. C- card. I'll just put that in the top part. Right, let's talk about the PBC card. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay, let's move. <laughs> no, look, just a quick summary of that. So, Danny Garcia basically batters Adrian Granados, the guy that gave Broner hell, right? So, Garcia... You saw some of the best of Danny Garcia, and it... Oh, man, dropped the guy with the left hook, which is a Danny Garcia staple. Dropped him again with a straight right. Referee then waves it off. I think it was in the seventh. And so Windak puts Danny Garcia back on that upward track, which is good. But I'm like, are we just going to get the same problems we had before that he's not active enough? He doesn't throw enough combinations to ward off guys like Thurman and Porter? Because there's no point in believing in Danny Garcia unless we believe he can beat one of those two guys. He's got to avenge his losses. Because otherwise, you know, I don't want to make the argument for him fighting Spence. But he looked a little bit bigger at Welter. Happy for him. Fight I enjoyed was just watching. I enjoy watching Andy Ruiz Jr. Like, forget all the issues he has with weight and stuff. <laughs> He's got these short little stubby arms. Like a T-Rex. Yeah. But they're so quick. So we're talking earlier about pace. No heavyweight can keep up with how quick his combinations are. So he fights Dimitrenko, a guy I've been saying for ages, British heavyweight should fight because he's not that good, but he's really highly ranked. And Ruiz was smart enough to go, actually, this guy's highly rated in the IBF. It's an easy route towards eligibility for a title fight. Just put hands on him and stopped him. I, I like watching Andy Ruiz. I'd like to see him rematch Parker, actually. Let's see what that fight would be like now. I think that would be a good fight for him. Um, there's a kid called Romero as well. Absolute frightening stoppage. Just, I mean, ice with a slice. Like, it was it was just, ah. But it was a good card. It was weird because it, it was all daylight. 
So you know when we're used to watching fights yeah. at night. It was like watching, you know when you watch WrestleMania? Like Brooke Porter. Yes. It was just all, it was a fucking daylight. Like what? Like a day show. Did you see, because I haven't seen it, um, Tiafima Lopez? No, missed that one. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, but I know he beat Tatley, didn't he? Stopped him. He, he's brilliant. Do you see the interview where he's just like, I just don't like Lomachenko. He's like, look. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, he's just there like, look. Loma makes more money fighting me than anyone else. Like, I don't need him. I can make Loma money fighting anyone right now. Loma needs me. You know, as I said, like, fuck Loma. I love that he's a fuck Loma. I like Lopez. Like, he's such an arsehole of a man. Yeah. Like, he is. <laughs> he's a proper... You know when Terry says about the issue with British, like, boxers in a lot of cases is that they're just slightly well looked after. They haven't got that grit and horribleness about them. Reverse all of that, and you've got Tiafimo Lopez. Like, he's just, he seems like a cunt. But, wow, can the lad fight. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. yeah. Re- and, like, I haven't seen this from last night, but I've just, I've enjoyed his career up to this point. He can fight, he's flashy, he's got aggression, he's got killer instinct. Everything about him is exciting. Yeah. And you just want to watch him get, just get that seasoning. Because here's the thing, I know we're going to touch on. Loma versus Crawler in the second. To beat someone like Lomachenko, you need that seasoning and you also need that trainer to say, listen, Loma moves at, we'll say, 225 moves per round. You're currently moving at 175 moves per round. I know you've got the power advantage, but we need to get you to 225, then use the power. So I want to see that journey. So, so he hasn't got Loma dancing around him like all these other guys did. I just want to see that and then I'll be a believer. Right, can we move on to the catch-up section now? No, how was the matchroom weigh-in? You went to it, didn't you? Uh, it's okay. Okay. Not much to report. No? Who was there? Anyone good? Uh, well, I was only there for two minutes. So, so you didn't develop so, so, any, so, so, so. any stinging opinions of anything? No, I saw Andy Brown. He looked in good shape. His legs recovered. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, he's looking smooth. like him. You know, when you look at him, he always looks like he should be in Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> He's such a hard man, Andy Brown. Yeah, like th- there is no part of me that ever wants to like piss him off. Nah. Like in fact, that entire team, like Neil, with a six foot ten like giant of a man that could just pick you up and he wouldn't even have to take a step. He could remove you from the venue just by like being a crane <laughs> and just swiveling his arm, and you'd be outside the O2 immediately. Who's the tallest heavyweight boxer that there's that? With like legitimate, isn't Zhang the Chinese fella? It might be Julius Long. <laughs> One Lucas Brown fought twice. Cause, cause, who got Julius? Did they get Julius Long in for David Hay to spar in preparation for Valuev? I don't know. How tall was Valuev? I thought they had Wilder for that. Hmm? They had Wilder for that Fury, camp, didn't they? Fury. The Wilder and Towers came down for the Fury. One. Oh, okay. Uh, I think Price came down for the Klitschko one. And I know so, someone had Julius Long. I think it was Hay had him for the value of fight. Because it would make like sense. 7-2 or 7-3. <laughs> it wasn't very good, but he was just huge. Um, right, so can I move on to the... Uh, we, haven't, we haven't quite answered the... I want to hear more about the weigh-in. Oh, are, we, go, the are we going to that now? Because that is later down the list, but... No, 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 no. The weigh-in was good, man. Had a good chat with David. You know, some interesting stuff, but we can put that in the catch-up section. Um, so two, uh, as we walk into our uh, catch-up section, two people, men after my own heart, 
Stephen Mock, and let me scroll through. Eamon Acton. Eamon Acton, I want to hear a solid hour or so on Fowler's loss. Stephen Mock, <laughs> just talk about Fowler losing for an entire two hours, please. Legends of <laughs> legends among men, you two gentlemen. <laughs> Tell me about this horrible, oh. horrible scrote of a man losing. So Wow. <laughs> so, what have you got against him? He so, punched a guys when they're on their fucking knees that is unforgivable that is unforgivable sorry my opinion it's unforgivable so one of the great things about it because you guys were on the stag do I was watching it in a bar in Benidorm yeah the stag do paused for like half an hour (laughs) while I just got my drink and watched it on a big screen in some fucking sex dungeon in Benidorm (laughs) see because in the build up in the build up none of us were sure we were like is Fitzgerald cracking I assumed, because I didn't know Fitzgerald that well, I assumed Fowler would maybe have a bit of a, a rough ride for a few rounds, but then run through him. I, I just assumed that's how Matchroom would have wanted to match him up. No, Fitz, Fitzgerald is, he's part of the system. You know, sometimes you get guys that drop out of the GB system. And they don't necessarily, like Josh Taylor, right? Yeah. Josh kind of dropped out of the GB system. And then was in the hinterlands here there until until bam, the O'Hara Davis thing and or Dave Ryan, I should say. Till the Dave Ryan fight and then bang, Josh Taylor was a thing. You'd almost put someone like a Fitzgerald in that category, in the sense of he was in GB, he gold he got gold at the Commonwealth. I think he was like a substitute for whoever it was who was maybe a McCormick at the time. And so he he's got that thing in him where he's a decent enough box. He's got the pedigree and he boxed the weight below Fowler. So I think he boxed at Welter. And you can see that in the fight because he had the speed advantage and he had the accuracy advantage and he fought like someone who had fought at a smaller weight. Whereas Fowler was trying to bomb. You know what? Fowler's not really, really solid with the straight shots. He tries to just grind you down with the with bent arm shots and Fitzgerald was catching him in the gaps. And in the beginning, you're like, he can't do this forever. Fowler's going to get to him. Then Fowler started to tie and he started to catch him, catch him, catch him. And then what happened? Fowler went balls to the wall. I think it was round nine. He went balls yeah. to the wall, empties his tank. <clears throat> but Fitzgerald is still standing and you're like... Just. Because he looked like he was out. Yeah, but you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then something happened between the nine and ten. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, he's come out and he's having a go. And then Fowler got sloppy. That's how I describe it. Fowler got sloppy and that left hook landed. Boom. And it was like Rio 2016 all over again. You know, (laughs) we'd all been waiting for that to happen again. And Fitzgerald managed to get that shot. Does it mean Fitzgerald is suddenly light years ahead of Fowler? I think if they fight 10 times, I think Fowler wins seven. Fitzgerald wins three. But it was. Look, I don't have anything necessarily. I don't have massive hate for Fowler. I just don't worry. I've got enough for both of us. <laughs> I just. I find it. I find him quite tedious. Um, the whole CBD oil stuff. The the punching people on the knees. The general attitude that he was levels above Fitzgerald. All this stuff. Like when he was taking the piss out of Fitzgerald for missing the weight. Fitzgerald eventually made the weight so what difference does it make he did it within the laws and within the rules all that kind of stuff 
there just seems like an arrogance and an ego to Fowler that I was quite yeah, happy yeah. to see get punched out of him. Um, but I'll give him his credit as well. The next day he goes on social media and he's like a little apple pie and he says, here's my slice of humble pie. Maybe I've learned a thing or two. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. We'll find out in time. Um, but yeah, nah, just... But I have no issue with people taking a defeat. Like, I think I think the loss is good for you. There's, Take there's, a defeat. The, Take the, a defeat. Yeah, the, myth about, the myth about this O is born out of this whole Mayweather thing, but... Luke Campbell has had more opportunities since he got defeated than before. Yeah. Like, he's, he should be a template to young fighters of a defeat doesn't necessarily mean your career is now a write-off. Yeah. It just means you have to reset a little bit and take... Do you, know, do you know what? If Wilder, Fury and AJ all fought each other and lost, everyone lost to each other kind of thing in a round robin, that'd be the best thing right now. Or if even if they all lost the next fight, all their zeros would be gone and we could just get on with it. Because then there'd be yes. nothing to fucking protect. So but, that'd be so good. Then we'd have Bria Zil versus Michael Hunter for but the undisputed remember- <laughs> world title. Yes! But also remember the mindset thing, right? So, so it's a mindset thing. Once you've got that O, your, your mindset is I need to protect it because I can only lose it. I can't gain much more from this, right? Once you have that loss... Your mindset is, hey, you've got two things. You're like, I don't want to ever fucking lose again. I want to avenge the loss. You've got things that suddenly fuel you again. Yeah. You know, I remember when, when Umar lost and having the conversation with him. And he revisited everything. Because before he was sure he had the right setup, that defeat was like, yo, let me go back and look. Let me break down the process, all the inputs, all the outputs. Am I happy with everything? He made the changes, and April 27th, we'll hopefully see the, the fruits of that at Wembley Arena. Just on a side note, if anyone is going to Wembley, let me know. Uh, I need to get my tickets sorted. I thought you weren't going to shows this year. I know, but... That was your promise at the beginning I'm, of the I, year. It was like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not... doing interviews now, so... <laughs> Now you're employed by IFL, you've yeah. got to be there. <laughs> Just... Now you're a media big shot. <laughs> no, so... so a defeat can be the trigger for the right things happening. It can also be a trigger for the wrong things happening. So it's about how you respond to that. I'm just of the view that Caldwell's not building a solid reputation for a successful stable at the moment. It seems to be a bit of a graveyard where people just go, they seem to go backwards. Look at the McDonald brothers. Like, yeah. where are they? You know, we won't see them again till Monaco, right? Is Anya Lauten, poor old Jamie. <laughs> yeah, so he's got, still there, I reckon. Got a hotel. Yeah. Airbnb it. He might be doing the F one. Um <laughs> It'd probably fit. Right. I'm sorry, are you gonna I was just gonna say, so can Fowler come back? Yes. Does Fowler need to rebuild both mentally and technically? Probably. Will you do it? We'll find out. But how good did it feel when he lost? And you were just like, yeah. Yes! Everyone was Team Fitzgerald, but he's been a bit extra with it on social media now. He's well, kind of gone OTT a little bit. Yeah, you're like, mate, calm down. Like, now, now I want Fowler to go and iron him out. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't. I don't. He's just there, man. He went into his butchers. He got some free meat. He's like, everyone should come to his butchers. It's like, mate, I don't live near you. Uh, Mary Brixton says... Legend. I haven't seen Rob in a while. To, in reply to my tweet mentioning that we are recording today. Thank fuck you're back. Terry, I fucking salute you. I'm assuming that's some background to that. How fucking bad... <laughs> Just a lot of alcohol. 
Uh, how fucking bad was the card on Ted last night? Being there, it wasn't a bad night, but did anyone look good? Um, Cordina. Yeah, I thought Cordina looked... I thought he looked good, and he looked like he could box at a far higher level. But it's Townend, so I'm like, eh. Yeah. You know, put him in with <clears throat> Danny Connor. <clears throat> okay, um, so let's carry on with that. He's still even boxing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> catching catching up with recent events then yeah. Shields Hammer ah oh, Steve Kim said it best about that fight he goes this is meant to be the biggest fight in women's boxing history and you could have held it in a shoe box yeah it's true it's, <clears throat> my view on Clarissa Shields is I love everything she's achieved I love her story I love all of that I can't stand her like, she said something ridiculous, like, she thinks she could give Triple G trouble. It doesn't go one minute. The first right hand he lands with Clarissa Shields, he ices Well, she was calling that Rocky Fielding the other day. Do you see that? She'll get knocked out. And the thing is, there's a point where I'm like, I understand you're keeping yourself in the boxing conversation, but you sound stupid now. I kind of, I do sympathise with her, because after how many fights she had? Eight, nine, ten? Ten. ten. She's now undisputed women's champion at her weight. And so what do you do? Do you work your way up? Go back to the Olympics. Do you go and fight Breakhouse? No. But you'd have to go up two weight divisions? I'd vacate and I'd say I'm going back to win another gold medal. (laughs) And I'm going to come back and get all of these belts back. That's cool. That'd be good, right? I'm I'm all for that. But I think it just shows how wank women's boxing is in general as a talent pool. I'm not saying as talent, as individuals, because I admire Clarissa Shields. Yeah, it's the depth of the sport. You've got Katie Taylor going for undisputed on the Joshua undercard. You've got Cecilia Breakhouse is undisputed. You've got Clarissa Shields is undisputed. You look at who these people are fighting to get there like <laughs> do they deserve you know if it was in the men's like, there's a reason you don't have undisputed champions in the men's one because there's a lot of money there and there's a lot of talent there and those two and things politics well those two things go hand in hand well, okay. but you don't have either of them you do have talented individuals in the women's sport but there's no money backing it up and there isn't a wide yeah. range of and, them and also I think the thing is as dominant as Clarissa Shields is she hasn't really who's she ice I know then you just wanted to smash like if you're going to beat Hammer up it's the same as what we said about Josh Kelly earlier the same principle applies but, finisher yeah so finisher so, yeah <laughs> so you look at that and you go right so what did she do next? But have you ever seen the women's rankings? You can get to number five and number five in any division is like 0 and 4. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The, the talent pool is so like, shallow. Like you're higher ranked by never having a fight. Like we're, <laughs> we're ranked third in the super middleweights. For <laughs> did you see the, um, the Dave Allen, Shannon Courtney interview prior to her fight? Uh, like it was at the weigh-in um, or the press conference. Not sure which prior to the fight. And they were pressing Dave Allen on Shannon. Like, had you seen her debut? And Dave was like, oh, yeah, well, he basically hadn't. But he was like, I heard you beat up the um, the, the cleaner of the, the copper box or whatever. But I've heard this week you've got you've got a step-up fight against, like, the, the dishwasher out the back. <laughs> Proper fucking abusing the women's side of the oh, sport. Dear. Which is kind of what we're all thinking, okay, to be fair. So here's my thing. I'd be okay with the women's side of the sport. It's that everyone is trying so hard to build up what's not there. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, 
guys on Sky, just stop talking about it like it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. Don't put Shannon Courtney versus whoever on a Sky show. Yeah, we don't need to see it. Let her, let Shannon, and Shannon can move tickets. Let her go and do a Goodwin show. Yep, just let her go and do a Goodwin show. Is it not? Are we not? Will we not see the fruits of this promotion of the women's side of the sport later down the line after it's inspired younger? That's a fair girls point. to start no, taking up. No, 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 no. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Absolutely comprehensive. No, no. no. and I'll t- tell you why. There's a there's a small subset of women that have the the physical and genetic capabilities to to do the sport at a high level, right? And so you start to go down the list. If you're a 75 kilogram woman and you build muscle easily, you get more joy doing athletics. It's more lucrative for you. You get more joy playing football for England, for example. You get more joy playing rugby. So by the time you actually filter down to boxing, most of the really good athletes have gone because there are more lucrative ways to make a living. So it's actually really hard to grow. It's why if you see what they've done with women's rugby, they've said, right, we need to give you ladies money or you're going to go off and do something yeah, else. but from an organic standpoint, no sport starts off with, where should, I, where should I go and fight, play, whatever? Where's the place I'm going to make the most money? It always starts off with people who do it because they love it. That encourages the sport to grow, which encourages fans, which introduce money, which then people then it attracts people that are more in no, for the you lucrative. You need the grassroots, right? So the women's ABAs this year were shocking. So now you're looking going, well, where are we going to get these women to box from? You're just picking up these PTs who are doing boxer size and you go, right, you want to put some gloves on? Or, or ladies who are just coming out the army and that's how they're coping with being out the army by getting that buzz well, of combat. I, I guess what I'm getting at, 15 years ago, there was, you wouldn't have even, there was, it would have, you would have been forgiven for thinking that women's boxing didn't exist. Where? <laughs> what? Where? Not in Mexico. Not in Africa. In what? this country, though, yeah. where we weren't seeing it what? on TV, is what I'm saying. Now well, you're well, starting well. to see it on TV. Well, People could yeah, go, we oh, I could do that. Kathy Brown was on the early Hay shows. She was part of the original Haymaker stable. Let's Jane Couch had to fight for years to be able to get yeah. a license to yeah. fight. And, and, and that's a British problem. But you know, Kevin Campion will tell you this. You go down looking for an African lady for a Commonwealth title, how <laughs> people got 40 fights? I agree. I think what Andy's point is, is that it may be an isolated case of the UK and actually the rest of the world is yeah. taking it a lot more seriously. And we're in complete catch-up mode. Complete. But the one uh, benchmark I think is probably fair to use is with the introduction of women's boxing to British cards, have you seen an influx of women fans coming along with it? No. Absolutely not. And so if women aren't getting behind it, you know, they're the ones yeah. ultimately, I don't want to be too stereotypical about it, but look, if I took my wife along to a show and she went, actually, boxing's quite an artistic form. It's not all brutality. It's not all mm. blood. And actually seeing these women doing it gives me even more faith in that. Therefore, I'm happy to introduce my girls to the sport. But that isn't happening. There aren't more and more women going along to it. And there's always going to be that, um, I think, that male thing of, I don't want my girls to box. Whereas mums might be more enthusiastic. I, yeah. I realise I'm stereotyping hard here, mums right? Mums don't want their boys to box. They no. Really do but box is a hard but sport to solve. There, seem, there seems to be this sort of like, I don't want my boy to box, but yeah, boys with boys. But, but Maybe it's honest, like a right? cultural thing that we but, need to get over. But let's be honest. The boxing market is quite a static market. The same people will be interested in boxing next year as they are this year, really. So you'd introduce women's boxing in the hope that you penetrate new markets. Yes. You haven't seen it at York Hall. 
you haven't seen it at the ice arena in Sheffield. You haven't seen it at the banqueting suite at Leeds United. You haven't seen it in the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. And it's not to say there aren't women there. There are women there. It's just that there isn't a higher percentage of women due to the fact that women are on cards or due to the fact that there is women's boxing going on. You couldn't put an all-female card on and be entertained. Here's an example. Hannah Rankin went from nothing to something in boxing in, what, year and a half? Year? Yeah. To fighting Clarissa Shields. If you can do, and that's no shots to Hannah Rankin, but... You, I can't think of another sport where you could get to the top of the division from not having ever done it before in that space of time. Okay, uh, let's talk Kroll uh, Lomachenko. Oh. You know... So, you, Martin, you suggested that the towel should have been thrown in. Yeah, well, I do. The fight should never have been made. No, agreed. And Bob well, yeah, Arum said it himself. Yeah. This is not a fight that we want. But, but we're not giving up the belt. This comes down to the bollocks of the ranking system and the fact that Anthony Crawler had beaten some guy that we'll never hear from again, ever. I, guarantee, I can't even remember the guy's name, the one that he beat for the final eliminator um, to get this shot at Lomachenko that we're told at the time, like, this guy's legit. This guy's... But that guy only been beaten by Linares as well. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's only ever lost, like, one fight or whatever. This is a worthy final eliminator. Is it really? Like, because the winner of that was Anthony Crawler. And therefore, should that be a final eliminator to fight Lomachenko, arguably the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world? Be clear from the start, nobody is slating Anthony Crawler for signing the paperwork to get the money to get in the ring to fight Lomachenko. We never ever do that. Nobody is slating Crawler for it. I'm slating the process of whoever's greased the WBA's hands to allow this to go ahead, they're at fault. The WBA are at fault. Yeah, and, allowed, and not, and not only were... that, and all the people who say he's daring to be great, <laughs> and you're like, no, he's not. He has no chance in hell of winning this fight. He threw, fi- he landed five punches in that fight. Is that true? I didn't know. He landed five wow. punches. This is Anthony Crawler. I think he's like ABA finalist or something. Anthony Crawler can box. But, and this is worth remembering. That guy got hit with a concrete block, got up and chased the guys before having to go to the hospital, right? He weren't getting up after that Lomachenko shot. He was not getting up. That's how much out of his depth he was. It was, it, it was schooled by Linares though. Wasn't he? And then yes. Linares, I know you think Linares did well against Lomachenko. I think Linares is the most overhyped fighter of the last 20 years. I don't understand why people rate him. They, and before anyone tries to dig me out on this, this on this podcast, didn't I've said you, it. Didn't you say that Linares did well against Lomachenko? I think he did all right. Oh. I did better than I expected him to do. Oh. I expected him to just fold mentally because that's what Linares is. He's but Lomachenko a, outclassed Linares. Linares yeah, outclassed Lin- Crawler. It wasn't like it was a fluky punch and you thought, well, maybe Crawler could. No. It was the most savage punch I've heard on TV. It's so bad. It, <laughs> Top of the head as well. It sounded like there was like no padding in that glove. It just went, Doo! and you were just, ah, he's done, mate. Like he will never be the same man after that. He didn't need that fight. But there was no need for that punch. It should have been stopped the round before that. And it's almost like there's a shame in stopping your fighter from taking a beating because it's the second round of a fight. Well, there's no shame in that at all. Because Twitter goes apeshit and goes, look, Gallagher, just let him get knocked out. Like they're saying about Khan, let Khan get knocked out. And you're like, 
no. Yeah. It's very hard to do that. But you've got that pressure of, if I intervene now, what does that say for my fighter? Remember when Martin Bacoli... It's that Billy it? Nelson, Martin Bacoli factor. He's good, not <clears throat> quitting you. Martin, he's not going to quit on me. Yeah. Oh, man. Agree. Like, they, <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I just I don't feel like Crawler should have been in there in the third round no. to take the punishment that he took. I just feel like, as a human being, I would like to have seen that stop beforehand. But it goes back to the <clears> point <throat> that they can't live with this new pace, this new 100 mile an hour. We don't have to have every shot being powerful, but you're going to have no time to think, no time to reset, no time to get your thoughts. So actually, you're taking a physical beating and a mental beating at the same time. Whereas... It's not a big deal for Lomachenko. It's how he prepares. Let's briefly cover Smith aing too much. Was the headline card, a headline of the card? Do you know what I turned off at that point? It was a pointless fight. Yeah, it, it was, was a pointless fight. Like another one, man. Like is Hearn sandbagging Matchroom? It feels like he's well. Sorry, sandbagging Sky. I'm with you on this. In that I genuinely think when's his Sky contract end? Twenty twenty one. Eighteen months, something like that. Yeah. Like, if you make the product so dog shit by that point and then bring zone over to the UK and start putting on quality boxing cards, then people will go, no, nah, it was Sky that were holding Hearn back. I yeah. genuinely think that's a possibility. I, like yeah. some sort of insider trading. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like a scorched earth policy. It's just right. We're just going to ruin it. Damage the Sky reputation yeah. to such an because, extent. Because I imagine 2021, Sky will go, I think we need more than one promoter on here because there's no competition. There's no incentive for the shows to be any good. And we were talking about this earlier. Don't be surprised if it's David Hay that they bring in either in conjunction with Matchroom or instead of Matchroom or part of a panel of other promoters. I have the theory I sent to you earlier about Given that Hearn is so distracted by America, Italy, Germany, wherever else the zone are going to go and pitch up over the next year or so, um, I genuinely think... Is he off again? Jesus. Um, he's, he's got that fire water in him. <laughs> Matchroom needs somebody to fill the seat. And I don't think Frank Smith is the right person. I don't think he generates the interest uh, that Hearn can. And I realise he's in training almost. He's learning on the job. And I feel for him to that extent. But Hay is a ready-made centrepiece. Hay is somebody that you can roll out to host a press conference. Hay is somebody that brings the attraction. He's somebody that brings fans with him. Like, I can genuinely see Matchroom, maybe not employing, but partnering with Hay and just saying, look, you, while Eddie's away, you hold the ship. Because he can talk the same amount of bollocks that Hearn can talk as well. He can sell us a vision. He can sell us a product. He can sell us something that isn't necessarily true. He sold us two Bellew fights when he knew that nothing was left. He did that. That's as good a selling as Hearn's ever done. I, I just... Because you look at the landscape and you're looking at David and just some of the things, there's not... Yeah, some, some you can't really put out on air, but just some of the conversations you've had and you're like... Mate, it looks like you're looking for fighters. Why are you looking for fighters? You already had a TV deal. Unless it's like, okay. Because what do you think? Sky looking, they go, you managed to get 3 million people watch you box Demori. You got you to what? You got 3 million people to watch you box the Cobra. Like you got however many people to watch, to pay for you to box. And so Sky must be there going, David, David <sighs> is British boxing. All this stuff we do, all this pay-per-view, it was triggered by him. 
he gets it. We can put him on here, and he's better than he's better than Froch, and he's better than Groves, and he's better than Nelson Macklin. Uh, as a pundit, maybe not as good as Andy Lee, but as an all rounder, probably better than Andy Lee. So you're there, like, weed him out. Because another interesting thing is, so when you see Adam move off to MTK, is that a a movie that says, well, if David's coming in and we're not necessarily cool, do I need to secure my position? I don't know. But there are a lot of moving parts in boxing at that broadcast level that we need to get resolved in the next year or so. Um, I take you don't want to talk about Smith Eddington. No. Can we talk about... Sidetracked. Can no we talk point. about Good Friday? In what Good respect? Friday. I mean, we did actually get a message through that said, very fitting that you guys have risen again to record the pod. <laughs> <laughs> 40 days Yeah, no, look, since, look. Uh, you know, last I've, I felt... I know nothing I can't say I felt yet, betrayed. I can't feel, you know, I can't really invoke the spirit of Judas Iscariot. But, look, you know, shouts out to Rob Martin. Saw Rob Martin on Friday at the way. It's Sean Richards that said about us <laughs> rising again, by the way. <laughs> We're back. No, so I see, I saw Rob, man. Rob, Rob Martin's the man. Rob's a good man. Had a few beers on Brick Lane. It was nice. Nice in the sun. Good catch up. Got to understand each other. A lot of respect for Rob. Really, really have a shitload for him. Anyone that's that willing to go out of their way to help other people, as he does with any boxer from Brixton, is a good person. And he was there for John Harding Jr. And it's a shame that I didn't get to see John Harding Jr. box, but I was really happy for him. So I spoke to John at the weigh-in. And you know, sometimes you look at someone and you go, I just said, John, there's going to be, there's going to be today and it's going to be tomorrow. And in between that, you get to fight on TV. How you fight on TV will determine what tomorrow looks like. He didn't fight on TV though, did he? Metaphor. So I just said, look. Uh, metaphor's fine, but he literally didn't. <laughs> did you Facebook? TV? No, he didn't. Did you fight on Facebook either? I don't think so. Wow. <laughs> that night he was cursing Terry. So <laughs> you told me I'd be on TV. <laughs> it was a metaphor, John. No, no. <laughs> the but, but, stop ringing no, me. No, no. no but, the point, <laughs> but the point is, and you'll you know this, the point is, when you it's get, a bigger platform, yeah, it's a bigger experience. When you get called up on there, it's a chance to say, actually, you guys might not have seen me before, but you might want to get me back. Yeah, yeah. and he got the press conference. He got to do all yeah. of that stuff. I get yeah. what you mean. I'm just, yeah. I'm being a pedant for change. It's, it's okay. It's what you do best. <laughs> but like, so, oh, okay. so, you know, and Rob Martin came to support John Harding Jr. You're like, <clears throat> I really respect that above all else. Agree. Now, what I don't respect is people acting like bitches. Okay, right? Popcorn out. Look, in life, I've said it on this pod before, I'm accountable for the stuff I say on this podcast. Like, I show up, I'm there, I'm visible. Like, I see guys, I see Adam Smith. I see all, you know, I saw Adam, saw Dave, saw David Hay you know, Steffi Ball, which is interesting as well. <laughs> you know, so I see everyone. And so if I say stuff on here, those guys can go, listen, what, what that shit you were saying on your podcast, yeah? Say it now. And I have to. And I'm, I'm, I'm 100% Talk like you tweet. So on this podcast, I've said I don't like the shit Rob Tebbett does on his channel. I think it's garbage. Yeah? I've said it. Stand by it. It's not good enough. For, for the lofty ideals he espoused on our podcast about what he was trying to do, he doesn't execute according to that. Can we get context? Wait. From what you uh, remember him saying and how no, you no, think No, no, no. When he was on here, mm -hmm. do you remember? He said something I found really interesting. And he said, I don't prepare for interviews. Go back and listen to it. He says it. I don't prepare for interviews. I just want it to be a natural conversation. 
Now, I have a very strong belief that everyone involved in boxing should have a fighter's mindset. That doesn't mean that you need to get up and do your road work every day, but it does mean that you've got to fucking prepare. Because if a boxer doesn't prepare, we criticize them. That does mean you've got to know your shit. Because if a boxer's clueless, we criticize them. So if you're saying to me you don't prepare, and I kept quiet here because obviously for the, for the good of the team, I can't just, you know, I can't just go rogue all the time. Don't say anything, Andy. <laughs> so, so he was here talking, uh, talking a lot of shit. Basically, he was. He's talking a lot of I nonsense. Feel, I, at this point, I just want to brief. If you thought that at the time, it feels a bit, a bit bad that you didn't step in and say that at the time. No, no, because no, 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 no. I tell you why. Because if I'm sat over the table, we're having a beer. I say, nah, come on, man. You can't say that sort of stuff. But then I've got to remember, there's an audience here, and they haven't really tuned in to see me argue with a fucking weasel. Right, but that's right? a bit. It's a bit disingenuous then for no, you to no. then come back later on and go. I wasn't going to set the time, but now he's no, not no, here. No, I'm no, willing no, to. No, 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 no. It's not disingenuous, right? If someone says to me they don't prepare, and I'm now talking now, going, look, remember when he said he didn't prepare back then, right? Okay. All right. Okay, and then fine. I'm saying, I'm saying for the lofty ideals he espoused on here. Now we didn't know at the time whether they were true or not. We had to see it play out. Okay, so right? so we've seen it play out, and it's been horseshit. Go and check the numbers. Because? Just go and check the numbers. And they jimmy the numbers up. That platform jimmy the numbers up. I've seen some of the numbers. Like, Hearn one the other day did about 50k. Look, you scroll down. I think they've got like nine or ten videos that go over 100k. But those numbers are jimmied up. When he did the podcast thing. How does this podcast got 80,000 views? And like... Hearn interviews are doing 50k views. They're jimmying the numbers up. That's what that company was designed that, to do. Well, I, I don't understand. How do okay, you jimmy so, numbers up? So you jimmy your numbers up by going to a website, give them your PayPal details or your card details, and you go, mate, can you just give me 10,000 views on there? Right, do you want bots or do you want real people? Bots, cheaper. You can get more of them. Real people can bypass the YouTube algorithm, right? Because they check. They want to make sure that the people commenting are not just bots. So you can do that. You can jimmy your numbers up. A lot of platforms do it, right? So and you can normally tell because it's about the correlation. So as, as an example, on the Joshua fight week, all platforms see a spike. Some might go 10%, some might go 7%, some might go 2%. But there's a wave and then it dies down, right? So you're looking for those sorts of correlations. Where it becomes uncorrelated, it's well, they must be drawing into something special. What is that? So you can actually go through the numbers and have a look. But they jimmy their numbers up. Are you confident of that? Yeah. I know of other platforms that have done it. I've never known. Yeah. I've never heard it said about boxing social. Well, and look at the company that runs them. What do you think they do for an ex what, like existential existence? That's what they do. Hi, Brand Theobald. Come to the parent company of Boxing Social, come to us. I've no, I don't know enough about it at yeah. all. So we help you grow and these are the tactics we employ. And one of them is PEDs for your views. <laughs> it is, PEDs for your views. It happens on Instagram. This is how people- I know people do yeah. it. You know, sometimes you're like, how have you got 3 million people? And normally you can tell by the engagement. So like, you know, people that have- You can jimmy that too. No, no, that's what I mean. Is that there will be some that don't. So you'll have- 50,000 followers on Twitter, you tweet something, you get one like. Like, those numbers don't correlate. Or, you know, a YouTube video that's got 40,000 views, but three comments. Now, those things don't correlate. But I say, I've never, I've never knowingly seen yeah. it on Boxing now, Social. Now, if, if Rob Tebbett has a problem with something I've said, Rob has my number. Rob knows everywhere to get hold of me because 
when he got sacked from behind the gloves, he was getting hold of me a lot. Right? So he's Did got, he get sacked? He got sacked. Did he? He got sacked. Uh, the words out of his own mouth were that he walked away. He got sacked. Uh, I don't sacked. know. I don't want to character assassinate Rob. No, you, don't, no. you, you don't have to. Uh, Listen, I had to for go. For the record, we have no idea what Terry was going to say. We've been trying no. to prize it out of him. <laughs> no, the guy got sacked. Okay, right. He got sacked. This is on Terry and Terry alone. On my, squarely on my shoulders. He got sacked. Got up north. That's what. That's the story. He got sacked. Cool. Okay. Fine. Have no issue with this. But when you got sacked, you're on the phone to me. You're messaging me. All this sort of stuff. There's some bother me because we were like Rob, man. You're part of this community that we're, we're all trying to grow. You're part of it. Rep it right. So if you've got a problem with me, he could have just yo. He could have just texted me going. Mate, stop giving me a hard time on your podcast. I'm trying my best. I'd have gone back and gone, ah, you know what? Yeah, let me pull back from that. He had ample opportunity to do that. I'm, I'm happy. Like, look, I'm happy to be corrected. It happens a lot where people go, you know, you said this the other time, man. No, nah, no. Nah, what actually happened was this. Cool. Sorry. I'll try and put it right. No worries, T. Cool. It happens. So nothing. I didn't hear anything from Rob. So I'm like, whatever. You know, don't dwell on it too much. So Friday, me and Rob kicking back at the way in, catching up, talking. Rob Martin. Yeah. So I clock Rob, I clock, I see Rob Tevitt, right? You know, he likes to look busy and he doesn't do anything, you know, just running around with holding a fucking laptop. I'm like, mate, you're a videographer. Why are you running around with a fucking laptop? It just wasn't doing anything. So I'm like, oh, cool, whatever. We see each other. We look. So in my head, I'm like, he's going to come and confront me. If he's got something to say, he'll be a man about it. He'll just go, yo, T, can I have a word? Ready for it. I'm ready to either apologize or go at him. I don't mind which one it is. I'm ready for both. Comes up, shakes some big dude's hand in the white t-shirt. Don't know who he is. Shakes Rob Martin's hand, looks over, walks off. I was like, oh, ho, ho, ho. is this how you are? Right? So I go, okay, maybe, maybe he didn't see me across his big green pillar. So I leave it, sit there. So he sat eight feet away from me, just fucking around on his laptop, trying to pretend he's friends with all these people he's not really friends with. And I'm like, cool, all right. Well, I don't know what this is about. I don't know what you're trying to prove. Like, I don't give a fuck who you are. And then I, I'm saying to Rob, didn't you find that weird? And Rob was like, yeah, but you know, that's people for you. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And so I started to replay everything I've been hearing, you know. I'm gripped. No, no. <laughs> Just there, and you're getting these messages like, Rob Tebbett's a dick, he's this, he's that. And, you know, after, after I pulled him up on the podcast, there are people like, look, if you want me to talk to Rob Tebbett, I won't talk to Rob Tebbett. But I'm like, and this was my response, the guy's got a wife and kid. He's got to eat. So I'm not going to stop him eating. What I am going to do today is say, don't be a bitch about things. Because when you're a bitch about things, you force me to go and investigate. That's why I hear, yeah, this dude got sacked from that behind the gloves. Now you're on boxing social. You ain't moved the needle. You're not moving the needle, right? So you're running around the country pretending you're important. You're probably not even covering your own costs. Now, when people want to talk to me about boxing social, don't forget I was, I was there when... Glenn McCrory was the guy. In the Hobson days with Neil Kettlebrough and... They're all still relevant. To, this is what Rob doesn't tell you. This is the nonsense he talks. They're all still relevant. No, Neil's left them now. But they're quite I understand. He, he's got his... He's still got his... Mm, okay. 
Yeah. That's not what I understood. But okay, so he, I, I'm not in the know about he, it. He's, he's eating off everything there. That, that's <clears> what people need to understand. Neil, Neil's eating off everything. So can I get some background as to why Rob... Like, Rob, I, I get what you've just explained, but why have I missed why there was angst? Who knows? What's this perceived Who slight knows? that he didn't he avoided Who, your handshake listen, for? Listen, listen. I don't think it's a perceived slight. It, it would be like someone walking into this room now if Michaela walked in, hi Martin, hi Andy, and walked out, that's not a perceived slight. No, I get that, but what what I would have thought you said that you said before that happened, you were ready to confront him or apologize for what? Who knows? But you're like, what? Well, you, you, know, um... you know, do you know where someone's energy around you moves? And you're like, okay, they've pulled me off this, they've pulled me. Okay, cool. Do your thing, right? You can tell when the energy is different, right? They're just, they're just people where you've moved with a certain energy consistently. It's like you, Andy. If I ring you once a week for like a year. One of our romantic conversations that we have late at night, yeah? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Less of that on here, lads. You're, you're really trying to win back the, the pink... The pink supporters aren't rainbow, you? rainbow. Yeah. We call the rainbow. <laughs> no, but, but but look, if if there's an energy, right, and then all of a sudden you're here from me, you're like, okay, I don't know what's happened here, it but hurts. it's different. Not if that yeah. hurts, but it's different. It hurts me. It's different. So you're like, okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's see where the energy is when I see you in person. So that was the first time I saw Rob in person. So I'm like, <clears throat> mate, let's see your energy. And it was just weasel. It was bitch. It was all those sorts of things I don't respect. <sighs> Okay. It seems now, to now me if this you're... is a mountain out of a molehill. In, why did... No, 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 it's not. It's, why is it a mountain out of a molehill? Because I'm like... A guy's not shake, shook your hand and you've you've read the energy no, no, no. in the room. To be fair, it's and... difficult to know without being there. Yeah, like, I, yeah I accept look, that. Look, but this there, there was, there was one other guy that was there. Exaggerated response. I'm around someone like Rob Martin. Rob Martin understands conflict. Rob would have been the first guy to go, T, you're being paranoid, man. It's probably just nothing. That's why I had to check with Rob. I was like, mate, you know, you know when you, you, I'm like, before I pull the trigger, I need to make sure I've spoken to the person who was right okay. there. Yeah. So, so bear in mind, this has all happened. And then you tell me, Rob Tebbit wants to come on the podcast. And I'm like, what? Well, after all of that, you want to come on the can you see what? Can you see why? Why I am the way I am now? Well, I'm like, if you wanted to come on the podcast, Rob, you saw me. Why am I not suitable for you to come up and say, "Are you guys recording on Sunday? I'd like to come on." Now you can say between two p.m. and whenever he contacted you, maybe he had a change of heart. I'd like to know what prompted that. It just feels a bit suspect to me that all you know. What I mean, you ignore me about a show that I'm speaking on currently, and then you say I want to be on the same show. That leaves me with a very uncomfortable feeling. And you see, this kind of snake-like behavior happens a lot in the sport of boxing, where this sort of bollocks happens. Now, I'm happy to discuss whether I think the content on boxing social is any good. It's a discussion I'm willing to have. I talk about any platform. That's what we do. We comment on things in boxing. As people do about our platform. Yes. To be fair. Yes. Frequently. So, frequently, yeah. So when I comment on that, I'm a consumer of the product. When you when you do what you do face to face, I've got to speak about you as a man. Now I'll go back to the genesis of that boxing social thing. It was meant to be the equivalent of Lad Bible for boxing. It was meant to be like a give me sport. Do you know where you have those little clips and little, yep, little snippets? 
little clickbait that takes you from zero to like three million views consistently. And then you package that up and go, look, guys, we've got a platform for you here. Bang, either sponsor us or buy us, right? That was really the plan with Boxing Social. And when they were looking at appointing Rob, I was asked what Rob Tebbit was like. And I said, hardworking. He really wants to do something in boxing. Unless you've got someone better, have a go. I mean, sorry, let, let him have a go. That's what I said. It was how I felt at the time. And it was all right, mate. Yeah, sweet. Done. But Rob took it in a different direction. Like, the stuff Rob's doing is not going to get the numbers they needed to fulfill their business models. Why they're struggling. It's why there's consternation. Now, I'm neither here nor there with Rob. What, what really angered me, what really triggered me to do this today was simply the fact that he's got the cheek to ignore me, bypass me, then go, hey, Martin, can I do the show on Sunday? I'm like, you little, little fucking prick, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I, for me, look, I, it because, sounds disproportionate, because, no, no, man. No, because Andy, if someone did that, if someone ignored you and said, Terry, can I do the podcast? I'd be like, yo, <laughs> how the fuck are you going to ignore Andy? Get the fuck out of here. I can't fuck with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's an honor thing. For me, that's an honor thing. It's, if you wanted to be on the podcast, you could have just spoken to me. And I, I do say, get that. I do get that. I would have been like, listen, I'll talk to Martin. Now, when you layer in all this kind of shit that's also been kind of festering there, I'm like, well, wow. actually, I think I think you're trying to you're trying to treat me like a bitch here. So, how about you try and do that next time we see each other? Right? Can we talk about um, AJ versus Miller? Be nice if Boxing Social, you know, reassigned him to something else. Head of content's clearly not his thing. <sighs> Shouts out to Danny Flexing at seconds out. Content clearly is your thing. Coogan Cassius content's definitely your thing and Uma is definitely your thing uh, and listen I'm not speaking for the other people who have said you know what I mean <laughs> Rob Tebbett's a snake there are other people they might use their platform to call him out I don't, don't know but here go this intense like I say no, it's not me it's Terry <laughs> don't get me wrong I completely get your issue like that, that scenario doesn't sound ideal yeah. like I can understand why you might be a bit fucked off about it personally I've got no issue with Rob and but then he's never done that to no, me. So you know, I wouldn't have to. Yeah, yeah. It's my issue. No, that's cool. But, that's cool. But, but so long as it's my issue, can you imagine him being sat there now like like the walls will be red? <laughs> no. So do you want Rob to come on? No, I don't, man. He's, no, that's fair he, enough. He, he's beneath me. <laughs> God. <laughs> Terry. Terry. Beneath me, man. Go back to your, your, your jimmied up numbers, man. Leave me the F alone. Do you know what I mean? I do get, I do get the because I don't know what he said to you and where that came from. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> what he said to me is, "Any room for me in the pod on Sunday?" And I went, "No," because we've not really got together for a long time, and I knew today was going to be a long one. And, and then was... Terry came in and dropped a nuke. Yeah, what, a, what a little rat! I, I mean, I'm glad people oh. got to see that, right? So next time you guys ah. see him. Just say, mate. Why? We can't have one nice podcast, can no, we? No, no, we, we've had a nice podcast. I'm just saying, look, <laughs> next time you see the guy, just go, look, I know you've got the whiskers, but why are you being a rodent about things? Oh. Right. Can we please talk about AJ Miller? Martin's got yes. to go soon. Yeah, so. I do have to go yeah, soon. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So there's been an adverse fine. Back? We haven't discussed this. When because I've got to be back by a certain time. Yeah, but when, when you go, I go. Okay. There's, uh, there's been an adverse finding. There's been three. three. Right, okay, and 
Right. So Tom Pearson says, obvious one, who do you realist- realistically want AJ to fight now? Which we'll cover. Just hold back from replying to that one. Um, there is, after Miller's failed drugs test, has he been sloppy regarding his cycles or has he got educated people around him to get the tests? Uh, from, uh, Matthew Skelton. And there is one final one. And finally, from Porky's Corner, why is Hearn raging about drug tests from Miller when he signed Ortiz and White and has employed Brown on two headlines and Tony Macronelli, amongst others, on his shows? Does Hearn even give a fuck about Sky anymore? There's not one pay-per-view, pay-per-view <laughs> show this year yet. Uh, when was the last time he won a purse bid? But I, I, I love I, Russ. Just the, get it all in. <laughs> and the very Every shot he could take. Yeah. But let's also not forget, he signed... Jarrell Miller to match room, despite the fact he failed a drugs test in kickboxing. He's still got Kid Galahad. Yeah. <laughs> like, those so, names of Porky's rolled off there are just yeah. a few of the issues. Yeah. It's, he addressed this, didn't he, on an IFL interview yesterday where he was saying, you know, people throw these names at me, but I'm naive enough to give them the benefit of the doubt and hope that what they've done is a mistake. And so it pisses me off so much when I see now that Jarrell Miller's clearly wasn't a mistake. It was like fundamental cheating. The other ones I'm going to give a bye to because none of them. <laughs> right. Really? Right. Really? Because Povetkin was just a mistake, was it? Twice. Yeah, just oopsie. Or tease twice. Before we get into it too far, I've just got to give a shout out to Will Michael on Twitter because I just this tweet made me laugh. Just w Michael eighty three. Yeah, that's the one. Well remembered. Well done. It's almost like you go on Twitter every now and then, Terry. No, that, that's just <laughs> one of those I remember. <laughs> if they keep at this rate, if they keep testing Miller, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out pregnant next. <laughs> 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 that did make me chuckle oh, so man. we've got to answer I mean what what questions do we answer so, so mean, let's, got, let, let's, who do you want AJ to fight now now let's break down the Miller but, issue first right good okay yeah right go for it Terry resident drugs so expert so clearly there were a number of tests Miller was required to submit the the, the one that triggered everything was I think the, it was March the one that 20th. was fizzing yeah so March 20th <laughs> where they found essentially GW1516 Oh no! Now what is that? It's better than one five one five. I'm trying to work out if it's a peptide or a sum, but basically it's it's a man-made compound. How right? would you know? So 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 but what's what's the giveaway? Oh man, what's the difference? No, Naming conventions. Uh, right, don't worry. Work on different pathways. The nomenclature is irrelevant. Yeah, so they work on different pathways. Essentially, the GW fifteen sixteen was the drug cyclists started to use when. Yeah, they couldn't fuck around with EPO anymore, right? So they jumped straight onto that. So and, down to red blood cell count. Uh, it does have vasodilation. It improves oxygen transport to the blood. It's essentially like it's a stamina drug. That's Which what is, it is. Uh, simulate uh, training at altitude. Uh, not necessarily, no. No, so EPO, what EPO does what EPO is does. it increases your capacity to generate red blood cells Which right is what so you, you carry more at altitude yeah so you carry more oxygenated blood gw1516 increases the rate at which you can go from deoxygenated to oxygenated so it might make right. a really fat fucker who's 300 odd pounds have a really good punch output like, for 12 uh, rounds. Oh, Gerald miller, like Gerald miller. Yeah. sorry yeah <laughs> so he pops for that and he's like it was an accident it's almost impossible for that to be an accident because how do uh, you take it subcutaneous injection, intramuscular injection. So it'd have to be an injection? Yeah. So he could have fallen onto a needle and it's ended up in his 
blood system. It's quite unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so, so, so he fell on this bullet and so, so he wedged itself on my gut. He, he does a standard doping response. It was probably an accident. There's probably something contaminated. We'll, our team will look and try and find out and come up with an answer. Meanwhile, we'll test the B sample. Right. So we're like, okay, cool. Test the B sample. Then it's like, yo, you just pop for human growth hormone. <laughs> now, now the thing is, in the human body, there'd be no metabolites for human growth hormone because we we produce it naturally. So we don't need, it doesn't need an ester. It doesn't need anything to hold it in because we just produce it naturally and the body's used to it. But when you take it exogenously, yeah, you're going to leave metabolites because it's suspended in something. So they pick up the metabolites for that. Mate, oh, we know yeah. you're taking human growth hormone. So now this is quite worrying now because now you've got the, the stamina drug, you've got the human growth hormone, the recovery drug, and then he popped for EPO. So now you've got the red blood cell thing. So not only are you doing the GW1516 for the vasodilation effect and for improving oh. blood transportation, right. you're now increasing the number of red blood cells you have. So yeah. Come on, get out of here. You sound like a dickhead. There's only about two or three extra additional things he could be doing. Then he'd be like... You can, then he wouldn't even need to train. Do you know it's what? It's like he could just eat cheeseburgers. And it's like he'd be happy with his own putting all, he, all you eat is cheeseburgers or whatever they do. You know, do you know what my theory on it was? On their Twitter account. He just started messing around with stuff that he, he didn't know or his team around him didn't know. Because that's sloppy. Popping for human growth hormones, sloppy. Popping for GW56, was, um, sloppy. When the whole Lance Armstrong thing came out, there was a, they had an interview with one of the cyclists and he was talking about all the things they were taking. But one of the things he said about growth hormone, I never forget, he said, when you take human growth hormone, it's like you can bend metal. That's how powerful it makes you feel. <laughs> yeah. So it obviously has such a dramatic effect that, as you've said, it's like a 300 Yeah, because, because you suddenly have all slide this... Slide around well, the ring like a mere car. <laughs> no, no. So, no, so for, for a boxer, human growth hormone is important because, I mean, inspiring, you sustain a, a fair bit of trauma. Just from sparring, your your camp lies very hard. So the human growth hormone acts immediately, particularly on the muscle sites, to stimulate your satellite cells. You create new muscle cells. Recovery. Yes. So you do that. You've got your new muscle cells. So actually, you've got a greater muscular density. So you're changing your physiology by taking human growth hormone. And that's what they're saying. If you ever get pinged for it, you shouldn't be allowed to come back from it because you'll still have the benefits in the past from it. If you Yes, same with testosterone. So it's hyperplasia yeah. where you increase the number of myonuclei in the muscles. It's dangerous because Jerome Miller suddenly goes, that's how that guy's walking around at 315 <clears throat> pounds probably. And he's comfortable and he's moving and he's agile. So why do you? Th so you think it's the case uh, to, uh, to answer Matthew Skelton's question? You think it's a case that they've just been dabbling in areas that they don't really know how to control, rather than Dude, he's messed up his look, cycles or if, whatever. If you look at all of these drug scandals we talk about, like the Russian shit, it's mechanized. Everyone has a very defined role, and you execute against that. You execute. You execute. You execute, and then you test. He should have been testing his own blood every fucking week. So then when Vada show up, you know when you're hot, you know when you're cold. But it makes me laugh. The Hearn interview, he was saying about um, this just proves that Vada testing catches people. Those uh. were not verbatim, but like that was pretty much a gist of what he said was this proves Vada gets people when they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> Did he wink at the camera? After <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I just thought, 
I mean, what was that? If no one's been caught by Varda, they definitely haven't been doing anything. Because when you wink, go back to, to Icarus, the documentary, yeah. where they're talking with the guy, I can't remember his name, but he's saying basically, like, <laughs> if you don't want to get caught by Varda, you won't get caught by Varda. As long as you know what you're doing, yeah. like, we're ahead of Varda in the cheating aspect. Like, it's clearly an element of they fucked up here. Well, but don't don't try and paint me this perfect picture whereby... Because they've caught Jarrell Miller, that means that Varda are bulletproof yeah. in no, their no, no, testing. No, no. Go, go, go back to go back. We've to caught J- we've we've caught the best guy in the history of the world. Like, if you lined up forty boxers at random, and one of them was Jarrell Miller, and you gave all their stats underneath of like weight, punch output, blah blah yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah blah, there would be so many red flags against that fat cunt. <laughs> yeah. There is no shot. No one could believe that Jarrell Miller was doing so, this, so and Varda have found him. So I don't understand about drugs whatsoever that's all gone over my head what Terry said but do not tell me Varda are bulletproof in their systems because you caught fucking King Kong brilliant though his typical hern is like bollocks there's an opportunity we can spin this that shows that Varda are (laughs) but but, but he can't and here's the reason he can't because you remember when I think it was Nesta Gibbs was like so so Anthony you're going to have drug drug tests for this fight he's like yeah what regime you under Adams and he was like Who's, who's that? Who's Adam? Yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. I'm under the Adam system. Who's Adam? <laughs> but, and that says it all. I'm fairly sure that there are TUEs logged against certain heavyweights. Certain fighters, yeah. What's a TUE? Therapeutic use exemption. Oh, really? Which says, you know, I'm allowed to take this because... I have the same way that you hope your child will be born with asthma because it makes them a really likely Tour de France winner. <laughs> I was just about to bring up that exact same example. Yeah. So or, or hypogonadism. Yeah. Or you know. So if, you can just have loads of testosterone injected into you. If you happen to have, you know, really bad asthma, you might end up winning marathons because you know it just so happens that those two are correlated. But yeah. Oh fuck me. Like I've got really bad asthma. Can I smash a load of EPO and testosterone as well? A therapeutic use exemption then gives you the ability to take loads of Ventolin, for instance. And Would that help you breathe or something? Yeah. Right. Um, that's what Bradley Wiggins was on, I think. Yeah. Um, so there are... Strange there are, have, there no are heavyweights in the heavyweight division that have... And I'm fairly sure you can find them online, logged TUEs. So, you know, I'm not saying that that's necessarily cheating, though. Don't get me wrong. It's just that they've got something that doesn't allow them to have the same natural abilities as somebody else so therefore they have to top it up with an additional whatever it is ventolin inhaler or something else that's what a therapeutic use exemption does it says you can take this to get you better but you know as I say it just so happens that those TUEs but but you see I find it interesting how boxing jumps down Jerome Miller's throat like if we all kick the shit out of Jerome Miller it takes all the attention off some of us, I guess. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Jarrell Miller's probably not the worst defender of them all, man. Like, I'm sure he's not. Yeah. Uh, he it, needs to take a leaf out of someone like he must, book. He's, he's probably in the top act. 10, by the sounds of it. Uh, there's probably guys on a lot more. And especially when you move down the levels where the incentives are greater, you're not going to get tested, you know. But they're, they're taking far greater risks. They're, they're, they're guys. Remember I told you that conversation I had in that gym? And I was just listening. Yeah. And they were just running through the cycle. There was a male model and a small hall boxer. And I was like, wow, this is, 
you know, this is awkward, but I'm just going to pretend I'm not here. <laughs> I was like, wow. <clears throat> this okay. Ninja Chep and Dharma. Um, Eamon Acton. Oh, well, uh, who's going to fight him then? Oh, sorry. That's, oh. Hunter. Yeah, very Michael point, Hunter. Yeah. Definitely not Ortiz. They're just saying Ortiz so people don't lose interest in the fight. Yep. He's, he's, he's the... He's the stalking horse. He's already said he's not ready for it. If anyone was interested in this fight to start with, how are they going to lose interest? What could they possibly bring up? What I agree. blank I... boxer could they possibly wheel out that people go, I don't mind, but he's not the standard of AJ. I... He's not the standard Malik's of Gerald Miller. I know someone who's going over to it, right? Which is questionable in his own sanity to fly from the UK to America oh, for the Gerald Miller fight. Yeah. And he texted me the other day saying, um, oh, you know, who are they going to get? I'm just really gutted about this. Gutted about what? Because if it's Michael Hunter, is that any different to Jarrell Miller? You're going there for Joshua. You're not going there for Jarrell Miller. So, yeah, for me, I'm guessing Michael Hunter. But if I'm the head of the zone, I'd be saying just pull that Usyk card that's on a few weeks later. Pull the Usyk card and just chuck Usyk in there with him. You notice they've not mentioned Usyk. Yeah, he's fighting... um, to Cam. To Cam, that's right. Like, just pull that because it's not really that great. Like, yes, it's a good introduction for Usyk to the heavyweight <laughs> yeah, division. pull it. We want to see AJ to Cam again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just pull that and let's just take Usyk yeah. and put him in there. And all you have to do is give Usyk one fellow week and that you don't even have to break the, the camp. You're like, all right, just have a rest week and we'll go again so we peak just in time for the fight. Yeah. And then you can say that's a WBO mandatory as well. Tick a mandatory box yeah. out of the way. So that answers two questions. We think it's going to be Hunter that goes in. We'd like to see Usyk. Or, or Kowacki, whatever that guy's name is. Kowacki. Would Usyk have the interest? Would Usyk take it? I don't know. He's no trying to be the kind of guy that would. Yeah, I think he'd probably go, yeah. I want to fight. I'll fight do you, anyone. Do you know, he's that sort of, you know, you get those guys in the pub. Oi, there's a guy that wants to fight you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that Kowacki, see, he's signed to PBC, isn't he? I'm sure he is. No, the, uh, so he, at some point, will presumably be in line to fight Wilder. So why do you really need that Joshua fight at six weeks' notice? But it says an awful lot about the heavyweight division, doesn't it? That you can't get an opponent, we're told. Well, that, uh, here's a question. And they're all in camp. That's the thing. <laughs> exactly that. Every heavyweight is in camp right now. Exactly training. that. And apparently no one wants to fight Joshua at six weeks' notice. Andy Ruiz has said he'll do it. Get in the bin. I'm not having that. For like millions, life-changing, genuinely life-changing money. Um, Insane. You might end up with Sergey Kuzmin. <laughs> Sergey Kuzmin. Yeah, he beat David Price, you know. Terry, oh no, in fact, no, that's not, I don't ask that question, ask that question. Yeah, despite all the money flying around, uh, Eamon Acton, despite all the money flying around 2019 has been a shit year for boxing with regards to matches being made compared to 2018 and 2017. What is the main reason for it? People don't like Hearn. Can we fire through these questions, by the way? I've only got one more. Two minutes. Right, two more. No, no, look. People don't like Hearn. Uh, The Americans already didn't like each other. Now Hearn's here, they're a bit like, we're going to up our levels. If worse comes to us, we'll work together to kick this guy out. That's really where it's at. Which was inevitable when you turned up being Billy Big Bollocks. Yeah, and just pissed everyone off. Now you're, like, now you're like, I can't do these deals. And you know what? You know that John Skipper sat there going, can we get David Hay over here? David, you get along with everyone. Yeah, I'm friends with Schaefer. I'm friends with Heyman. Yeah, Bob Arum's cool with me as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, her, he's persona non grata right now. And... Uh, like the sooner we all accept that, the easier it is. 
Okay, in that case, I will go on to... What's the point of the board ordering a fight? It seems promoters and fighters can just ignore, which, yes. actually, which ultimately contradicts the definition of the word order from Christian Alcorn. Okay, so Alcorn. I imagine this is in reference to the Dion Juma, Isaac Chamberlain situation. So worth just setting, setting the scene, right? Could people go, who's Dion Juma? Dion Juma, as an amateur, like, yeah, you can't doubt him. Three-time ABA finalist, twice a winner. In another life, he probably would have boxed in the Olympics, you know, but he was in that wrong weight class. 86 isn't sexy, unfortunately, at the Olympics, and it's not an Olympic weight. So Dion was that guy that people thought would do really well. So when he left the amateurs, he trained with the Haymaker camp. That's where he was before with Gary Logan and those guys. So he was there in like 2013. Goes to science with the Sowlands. Goes abroad to box. It doesn't work out. For a number of reasons. I think there were some personal issues, homesickness and so forth. He comes back to the UK and floats around for a bit. I spoke to him. I said, mate, why don't you go to box again? You're too talented to have these regrets. Starts working with Gary Logan again. Signs with Steve. And I think he's had three fights with Steve. But his his best fight with Steve is Ozzy Gervier. And so the board then, based on that, order a fight between him and Isaac Chamberlain. Which now they'd gone through about three other people first. Chris Billum-Smith, uh, who was Bellew's lad that got knocked, Craig Glover. Craig Glover. Um, and they both withdrew from the fight. So That's why no, Glover yeah. got knocked out. Yeah. So, it was. So, so what messes it up is it's completely the wrong order based on in-ring achievement, right? Because Isaac's achieved more than either of those two have. Has he? Yeah. Where? Uh, look, Luke Watkins is a better win. Luke Watkins' best yeah. win is Robin Dupre. Um, no, 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 no. It's a better win than what Chris has on his record than what Craig has on his record. Yeah, I mean, all of them haven't really achieved anything. Yeah, but if you if you were to rank them, go, okay, who's, 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 who? They've all, but all three of those guys have probably done more than Dion has so far. So, so you look at that and you go, Isaac's further ahead. Isaac's fought the best Goodwin Cruiserweight already and beaten him for the Southern area. That's all done and dusted. So quite rightly, T Team Chamberlain are like, we don't want the fight. And, and I don't even think it's, we're scared of Dion Juma. I'm reading between the lines here. I've, I've had some conversations. I've seen some text messages that go back and forth between the sides. I've seen little bits, but the, the, the thing I draw is, Steve, if he wanted to fight for Dion Juma, could have just said Isaac. What's your price for fighting Dion Juma? And Isaac would give a number and Steve would go, it's too much for me. And you go about your business. But they feel the situation was gerrymandered so that Isaac got drawn into a situation he didn't need to boost up the name of Dion Juma. They're uncomfortable with that. For them, the English title's not on their plan. They've said that. We're not really interested in the English title, which is fair enough. They've said, look, if, if the Goodwin team want that fight, put the money up. I've heard all kinds of numbers, but it's, it's someone well north of 50K. Put that money up. But they also know you can't make that kind of money at your call. So, so what, why are we even having this discussion? That's fair enough. Are they, are, at that point, they all just say, no, we withdraw from the fight. Well, no, no, they don't have to. They, they, what they can do is they can sit in their position until they can't sit in their position. So it's, it's their right to stay there for as long as they choose to, I think. But what they're saying is, if you really want to make the fight, put the money up. And it, that's it. The problem will be when it goes through to purse bids, mm -hmm. 
if Matchroom don't invest in Isaac, because it seems like they're not going down that route at the moment, then, you know, Steve may put a bid in for it, which probably won't be the money that Isaac's looking for. Then he'll just pull. And then Isaac pulls out, and then that means that he'll get blackballed by the board, presumably, for a little while. Because if you go through that whole process and then withdraw after the purse bids, then it's frowned upon. Um, yeah. I don't. I, no, they'll do what they need to do. But I think the issue is here, and and so I've seen a lot of the stuff going on Twitter. And congratulations to the Goodwin guys. That was a coordinated attempt at getting fans to turn on Isaac. But my my thing is ultimately this: pay the guy the money he's asking for. He will fight. Right. And that's how fights should be made. Don't go to the board and try and engineer anything. You don't have to. You can just say, look, there's a, there's a stack of money. Fight. But I think the fact is, right, to put it in context, so from you can't go to the board and say, I want a man who doesn't have the title in Dion Juma to fight Isaac Chamberlain. You can say, I would like Dion Juma to fight for the English title. Yes. Then it's down to the board to decide who is a appropriate opponent. So when they go through, they've issued Chris Billum-Smith, who's pulled out. They've issued Craig Glover, who got knocked out. And then they've come to Isaac Chamberlain. I don't necessarily think there's a problem with Isaac Chamberlain being nominated for that title. What has he achieved? He's won the Southern Area. Fair play. He's fought for the British and lost. Therefore, as the British is still with Akoli, his level is the English title. No, he's just, well, no, his level's just below British, because as you've said before... Which is there, there, there are a number of eliminators you'd have to go through to get to... So that's British. that's then down to his advisor. <laughs> Sorry, his advisor, um, or management team, and given that he's still managed by Ted Bammy, who he tried to... You know, there's all that backstory of did Ted Bammy steal from him? I think that went through the board process, and yet he's still his manager. So, therefore, you know, as an advisor, and I know he has advisors, you'd have to question what the advice is. Well, no, no, I think the advice for them is is clear. It's we have our own path that we want to go down. Dion Juma might be part of it at some point, but they're like, look, the guy's only ever beaten Aussie Gervier. <laughs> Who's his best win? You know. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I don't no, disagree no. with and, you. And, and let, let, let's start to look at it rationally now. So where's Jack Massey in all of this? Do you see what I mean? Like Jack Massey, I mean, you, we, we can't start... When we talk about dessert, like, does, does Dion... Should he be fighting for that English? If Isaac should be, fair enough. But, but then Jack, Jack Massey's Massey? probably going to end up going for WBO European or something no, like no, that. No, 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 well, we don't know that. But what I'm saying is if you draw up a list of the landscape of cruiserweights at the moment, there are guys Richie Reactport. These, there are guys who have done more than Dion has. If you're going to put people in for that English title fight, then there are other candidates who deserve it more based on who they've fought. Not based on reputation or tickets, just based on who they've fought. So that comes back to the question. If Steve's really trying to push Dion, just put your hand in your pocket. I genuinely think if Steve puts his hand in his pocket for an opponent for Dion Juma, Dion will deliver. But you have to put your hand in your pocket. It can't be on this... I'm going to do it on the cheap. It can't be. Because Dion doesn't move units. We all know that. He doesn't sell tickets. That was one of his challenges. That's mm. why he wasn't signed in the UK. He does okay now. He does better than what he used to. Yeah. But that's but still it's, fair. It's not thousands. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to be able to pay a 60 grand opponent. No. 
But a 60 grand opponent is what Dion needs for us to really see what he's capable of. Do you see what I mean? So I think logically you'd look at it and say like, it's a shame the Craig Glover fight never came off because that could have probably been put on a Liverpool show on a matchroom one. It's whether matchroom want to invest in Chamberlain or what are the conversations going on there? Because as we said the other week, Chamberlain was meant to be going somewhere else, I thought, as you did. Now, is that still happening? Don't it know. It might be happening. It might be, it might not. Yeah. So why are Matchroom going to invest in someone that may or may yeah. not be staying with him? But so, see, so for him to have another part, I completely get I completely get it. But he's got if he's not gonna take that fight, cool. Understand that. But for all the time that we've do you remember like the free Chambo stuff and like get Chamberlain a fight, all this stuff. Yeah. At the moment, Chamberlain is sat dormant doing nothing. Is that helping his career? Well, okay, so so I think just just worked for Khan. See, I'm no, no, I, I'm just <laughs> conscious that that this goes to wide always. I want to be clear about something. I'm a big respecter of Dion Juma, right? Mm. I am. I just want someone to push Dion Juma, and I want to see Dion Juma in the ring with like a example, like a Tommy McCarthy. Yeah, I want to see what five. Yeah, I want to see what he does at that level. I want to see Isaac continue because the Luke Watkins win was entertaining, it was fun, and I'm like. I want to see Isaac push on from that and kick on. Does that mean he fights Richie React Paul? Maybe. Yeah. But these two, I can't see the case of them fighting just yet. Dion needs that one extra step. So like you said, he needs to speak to his advisors. What are you going to do for me? Isaac needs to speak to his advisors. What are you going to do for me? What, what we can be absolutely clear about is if, if the numbers aren't right, this English title fight's not happening. Of course, as with all fights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, but, but I, I want to see Isaac in the ring. That's what it comes down to. Is it? I've nothing but love for Isaac Chamberlain. But I don't like seeing a fighter that is... He turned down the Chris Billum Smith fight because he said that he was only going to get a few weeks notice for it. Fair that enough. was on his own promoter show. No, no, Chris but, Billum Smith is a cyclone fighter. You can't tell me Chris Billum Smith was getting more notice to fight on a matchroom show than Isaac Chamberlain I was. wouldn't be surprised. I would. Um, but... I just want to see Isaac in the ring. And if it's not Chris yeah. Billum Smith, if it's not Dion Juma, then I hope it's somebody that's a level above Luke Watkins. Because at the moment he's sat dormant, not getting any fights, any money. Any... No, no, no. He, he'll probably need he'll probably need a cobweb fight just to shake this shit off. And then But where? Because if he's if he's in flux with Matchroom, then Matchroom aren't going to invest in it. That's him. an interesting question. But, you know, I'm sure as long as you know, as long as the sun shines this year, we'll see something. And it will go from there. But I feel for Dion because Dion doesn't need these war games here. Dion just needs, just forget belts. Dion Jr., for me, talent-wise, is above English level. Forget belts for a while. Just give him opponents. Give him Wadi for fuck's sake. Let him fight Wadi Camacho. That's an in-house fight. You can make that. You know, you know what numbers that's going to do. Get Wadi Camacho. Or just get Dion Jr., an opponent that fattens up that CV. Because otherwise, I get the impression that the guys behind him don't believe in him, and that's not fair. You know, right? I, um, we've got. I need to get going. Right. So but I need to take a piss I, before we leave. Yeah. So do right. I. Fine. I need, but I need quick, quick answers to these. I need to go. Um. All right. Fine. I want to ask him. Tottenham boxing. Wayne Smith. I'm. Apo- I apologise. Um, you can, Mar- I'll fall the mystery to Martin. Can Is that Wayne Smith? As in Wayne Smith, eighty-five. Yes. Hey, listen, that guy crushed it at the ABAs. Like, he's got this kid, I think it's Carol Italma. 
Jesus Christ, man. He's the truth. In about three or four years, that's the name people will be talking about. I think he has a brother as well. Savages. I mean, cleaned up at the ABAs this year, man. He's a class act, hell of a trainer. Uh, if he decided to go the pro route, I think he'd bring belts back. But he's a wonderful guy. I've said that I've liked the question if it's been answered, and it kind of has. So there you go, Wayne. I've liked your. I sent over one from uh, Send Your Taste. Oh, as yeah, we'll. we'll finish on that one, actually. Ah, Mick. <laughs> Senor Tasty. How jealous of Carmel Brookby after he had a muscular man punch him in the cock last night. <laughs> oh, man. Actually punched him in the hip, so... <laughs> oh, man. The hips right. don't lie. That is it from us. Man, That's that? two hours... Well, it will be two hours 30 by the time we finish. Really? So, yeah. Fucking hell. Oh. You've destroyed the love wall because you're pulling the socket out of the wrong hole. Classic <laughs> Terry. Um, anyway, that's enough from us. Thank you very, very much. Hopefully we've not offended too many. Yeah, well, Just I'm one, sure we have. One. Oh, no. Well, well, we haven't. No. We no. love you, Rob. Has Rob still got your number, Rob Tebbett? Don't care. Well, if he makes <laughs> peace of you, if, you need if, to apologise to if him. He, if he doesn't, it's through no fault of mine. I haven't changed my number. So how else could that have happened? If he wants to make peace with you, how does he go about it? Because uh, I'm all about love and peace. I'm not about war. Five 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 zero zero twenty four. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah, of course it's it such a Terry answer. It? Yeah, <laughs> that's the bird sweating Gil. That's a great song. Uh, right, can I go on? Okay. Thank you very much for listening. Baby, it's an we will see you. I don't know. Do we see him next week? I would have thought so. Hey, that's that. Hey, fucking it. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. Yeah.